Hi, I'm Sarah Vittoria McLaughlin, Antithesis. Every hour, a human is successfully mind-controlled somewhere in front of a screen. They suffer, alone and terrified, waiting for someone. Please, say you're the answer for these innocent, suffering human beings. They need your help, and this is your chance. Make no mistake, just one dollar a month from you. Yes, you. It becomes more than finances. It becomes action and intention behind a movement combating misused occult forces and giving a voice to those unheard by too many. Your support on any level becomes greater energy and raises frequencies. Even simple reviewing and sharing of the show. It's about energy and willingness. Grimerica.com slash Any kinds of events like this will have multiple feds, and there will even be uh, operatives from foreign countries that will come to observe and and surveil situations like that. So, okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with friend of the show Jay Dyer a little bit later about uh, all sorts of fun stuff over at uh, Jay Dyer stuff, his boiler room stuff that Graham's just in love with these days, and it's always fun to have Jay on the show. Jay's analysis. Jay's analysis. He's always on the cutting edge of uh, what's good and what's not. (laughs) And, of course, we're just degenerate, so it doesn't even matter. Anyhow. You, not me. You're also a degenerate. Graham Gruntled Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? That's That's a compliment. I know it is. I'm doing good. <laughs> I like how you just smile on it. It's like it catches you so off guard when I, I compliment I call, you. I just, just don't know what to do. I, I can't be a victim anymore. <laughs> people picking and making fun of me. I, you know, I'm starting Everyone's to bug so me. And now you throw, you just throw so a curveball at it, throw a compliment, now I'm all back. I'm You're back. back. <laughs> Next week I'll do beefcake, <laughs> and then we'll be back to the slurs. <sighs> so what's new, buddy? Well, Excited? We, should... we just chatted with Randall Carlson and... Uh, Alan, about the CAC thing. We're going to play that a little later on. In this intro. In so this, this intro. Yeah, it's in that intro. We're advertising the uh, contact of the cabin there with Randall and Alan on the on the little so on a little audio blurb here. Yeah, we're going to so, play that in about 15 minutes. We'll yeah, cut to that. We're going to just do a little bit of normal intro stuff here. And then, of course, Jay Dyer will be uh, on for a pretty long chat, I think. It was fascinating. I believe they call it housekeeping. Housekeeping, yeah. They do. Who's they? The listeners? The people? The people? folks yeah so yeah anyways interesting headlines today we were talking to randall about it sunspots uh at a minimum looks like we're heading into another ice age and then they found a 19 mile crater in greenland i think that kind of you know vindicates randall's work a little bit right oh yeah randall seems I i think that by the end of the year or so um Randall will be pretty much fully vindicated and all that stuff. You know, it'd be interesting to see if Joe Rogan will have him on again once this stuff starts, stuff, stuff, stuff starts coming out. Because Joe's got to see those headlines and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think like 20 people sent that to me today and tagged Joe Rogan in it on really, Twitter. Eh? Yeah. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see how Joe reacts. It'd be great, of course, if we get, if we get Randall on the Joe Rogan show. 
be some fantastic. Always good for Grey America when Randall goes on there. We get a little bump because people search Randall Carlson, and I think we've had him on more than anyone else. I don't know if this one counts. It's only 20 minutes. Yeah, it counts. Always counts. Yeah. Poise counts. So should we just go to the PSA right now? Uh, you want, okay. Since sure, we're just yeah. talking about it. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's just that. jump into that right now. Um, we're going to jump into this little PSA. And then we'll come back. You ready, Brody? Okay, guys. Randall's ready. Right on. You guys know that voice. We've got a couple special guests joining us here this week uh, for a couple minutes to talk about our new initiative we mentioned last week. Um, so we've got the master engineer here on the line. We've got friend of the show, Alan, our minister of travel, who's or, who's taking, it, taking on the responsibility of organizing it and hurting us and trying to herd the cats into into one place at the same time. Um, and, of course, the man of the hour, Mr. Randall Carlson himself. And we're just going to spend sort of a few minutes here um, talking about uh, our upcoming joint venture. Of course, Graham and I had the had the pleasure uh, hanging out with Randall. I, can't, I think it was two years ago, right? No, it was three, was it three, three years ago. Now, and and uh, Randall came down to Calgary with a crew of guys, a bunch of guys that we're really good friends with now Bill to this Brian, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, we got a chance to hang out with those guys at Darren's old place there at Chestermere, and we we traveled uh, down into BC with these guys and hung out with them, and it was a blast. Got to hear a bunch of Randall stories in person for hours. Oh, was, it was yeah, great. he yeah. just regaled us in the in the in the. I remember sitting in the garage till like two in the morning, just listening. And I was like, like halfway through, we were like, "Fuck, get the recorder!" Yeah. <laughs> but I think was, we did record it. Actually. We recorded yeah, the last half of something. it. Yeah. We've got, we've still got it somewhere. The audio audio is pretty jarbled at that point though. But uh, yeah, definitely fantastic time hanging out and uh, just hearing the stories and everything else and getting out on the road a little bit. Um, so yeah, welcome to the show, Randall. Well, uh, thanks for having me once again. <clears throat> yeah, just, if I wasn't uh, here on the show, I'd probably be heading off to bed right about now. Who is it? Yeah, I guess it's already nine o'clock for then. Nine o'clock for the old guys. Sorry, guys. We Which is early for me, but man, I've had some long hours here the last few days. So, um, yeah, we're we're trying to. We just started a project yesterday, and we got a new project uh, in the pipeline that we're hoping to have started within one to two weeks, or as quick as the bank releases the money. Um, so they keep asking for more stuff, more, more information, more details. So just when I think they've got everything they need, then they want more stuff. So it's been that game. That's kind of, you know, the, the day, my day job, your daily grind. Which is, yeah. Um, yeah. I know how that yeah. goes, brother. I know how that goes. Well, actually yeah. it's fun. You know, I mean, you know, I build things for a living, um, which is the fun part, but the, the other part of it is more and more we're having to deal with bureaucracies that feel like that they need to insert themselves in the process just to justify their existence. And all they do usually is muck up the work. So yeah, eh, no comment. But it's the same old story <laughs> everywhere. I'm sure. Yeah. It seems to be getting pretty bad too. And yeah, it's, uh, it slows things down quite a bit. And I feel like everybody's a little tighter on the purse strings since the, uh, since the oil prices went down, everybody seems a little bit more hesitant to spend money on construction. So. I cannot believe we might see gas under a dollar a liter. I can't believe it. Every day I'm like, come on, is today the day? Is today the day I'll see gas at that two figures again? Of course, that's for a liter, not a gallon. 3.8 liters in a gallon. Yeah. 
Right. Right. I actually remember the days when it was uh, much less than a dollar a gallon. I think it was around 30 to 35 cents a gallon when I started driving back in the late 60s, if, if it was even that. Um, ah. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, Pagosa. Yeah, I remember when uh, I, I would get out with a you know bunch of buddies, would get into one of our old beater cars and each pitch in about 50, 60 cents, you know, and then we'd uh, fill up the tank and we'd be out driving all day doing things we probably shouldn't have been doing, but hey. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we won't dig too deep into those here. We'll save those for the cabin. Speaking of driving, we went, we drove to, so we had this contact at the cabin with a bunch of friends from Grand America last year. It was in uh, Oregon. We had a blast hanging out with everybody and we decided uh, this year, I don't know how really this came about. Darren could probably, and Alan could speak more to that, but we decided to maybe combine, you know, contact at the cabin, which is just with a bunch of people that listen to the show and a bunch of great friends and really interesting conversations with uh, a bit of an intimate uh, sort of conference tour like setting with you, Randall. So, uh, yeah, maybe we should get into that, Darren. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into that. Well, it was basically just based on a bunch of synchros, and one thing led to another. Got out of control quick. It went, uh, but that's okay. Those are usually the best things, like the podcast. Got out of control quick. There we are. Five so how, d- how did you decide on Pagosa then? Um, well, to be honest, I was just, once Once Atlanta fell through, I was just farting around asking people for ideas, and I kept coming back to the south west corner of Colorado there. Pagosa, a few people said Pagosa, a few supporters of the show said Durango specifically, and then four corners came up a lot. Yeah. And these are all sort yeah. of the same spot. Because I was looking for a legal state was another stipulation I had in there. And then I started talking to Brad, of course, Brad Young, friend of Randall's, good friend of the show, um, been on the show a couple of times. Anyway, I started talking to him and he started talking about the interest that him and Randall had in getting out to Durango uh, area to look at some stuff. And, you know, sort of one thing led to another. And uh, here we are. I think that's that's pretty much in a nutshell. Maybe Alan could add a little of that. What do you think, Alan? Uh, sounds about right. It's just all sort of gravitated toward the four corners. You know, yeah. Like we're all is, it, is, this, yeah. is this what they, what they call a harmonic convergence? <laughs> something like that or a synchronistic I something. what exactly that was, but that might be what this is. Time will tell. Hey. There's some definite synchros involved, and I guess we'll share those at the trip. But you know, when we're out there around the fire, but it got weird quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, you know, I've been through there a few times, and um, yeah, that whole area out there is is really quite remarkable, and it would be a great place for a gathering, a retreat, whatever you want to call it. Um, that whole area from we're talking about southwestern Colorado here. Um, Pagosa Springs over to Durango, over to Four Corners. That whole stretch along there is just awesome. And you're just a few miles north of the uh, New Mexico border. So you've got, um, you know, Taos. Dulce's uh, right there. Yeah, Yeah, Taos is right there. And, uh, yeah, Aztec, New Mexico, some interesting ruins there. You've got um, Mesa Verde awesome place. You've got Canyons of the Ancients. You've got Chimney Rock that's between Durango and Pagosa Springs, which is really an amazing site. Uh, it's a 
natural outcropping of uh, two rock, giant rock pillars, and they're on a ridge, and along the ridge there's also the, the Chacoan culture. People built a, uh, a kiva, which is also an astronomical observatory, and it's it's really an amazing place, and it would certainly be uh, a place to, to visit uh, or to do a field trip to. Also to go to Pagosa Springs and, and soak in the healing springs, oh, man, that's that's a nice experience. Um, yeah, and then you got the whole Four Corners area to the west and Monument Valley and, and Cortez. And, yeah, I mean, there's just there's no end of amazing things to, to see and do. So. Sounds amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the CAC was, was fun in its own thing, but I think this next evolution of it is, uh, I mean, what more can you ask for to go out and, and, I mean, it really does start to sound like the ultimate, ultimate hangout. And we've got sort of the engineer on the line here, Alan, who I want to touch base because honestly, um, to be perfectly frank, there's no way this thing is is happening without um, Alan's attention to detail and willingness to put up with Graham and I's lack of attention to detail. <laughs> okay. Uh, what would you like to know first? Could I guess sort of just give people a rundown of um, of sort of how it's working and and the dates. and the and the dates and. Um, and yeah, just kind of a, a okay. rundown of, of your, your master plan here. So I, I kind of have a habit of uh, butchering things. Okay. Well, um, initially we were going to do three days as normal, uh, contacting the cabin over the Victoria Day Canadian holiday. But um, with Randall coming, we wanted to do it a little larger, so we were that three-day didn't work. And the 10 days seemed to be a little too long. So I thought, well, let's just chop it up and uh, flip-flop the property. So what we're going to do is from May 17th through the 20th is have a long weekend with Randall and be the first group in this. It's called Elk Lake Lodge. You can find it on Airbnb. And um, we're going to have like 30-some people there, and that includes the host. For three days, a tour, a talk, and a bunch of, hey, Randall, tell me about this. <laughs> We're probably going to bug you a lot, Randall. I hope you can put up with us. Well, I'm learning, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a great trip. You should probably get a ticket because Randall will never do this again and wouldn't want to learn <laughs> about it. So on that following Monday, after three days, we're going to have another group of 25 guests come in, and we need a clean exchange uh, by the rules, but of course, you know, everybody's going to hang out and stay and meet the other group and, so, and such. And for three days again, during the middle of the week, we're going to do the same thing over again. So hopefully, Randall will take us on a different tour, so the people that want to do the whole week will get different vacations. But we'll do a tour, talk, and bug Randall some more for three days. And then after that, there'll be another travel day where we exchange uh, the guests. And the last weekend is going to be Memorial Day vacation for uh, the U.S. guys. So it's a four-day event. And hopefully Randall might do something special for us. But again, there's definitely a one tour, a one talk, and then a what's left of Randall <laughs> after 
uh, two other groups. Wait, now, let me see. You, you said three days was too little, ten days was too long, <laughs> and now uh, tell me if my arithmetic is right. You said three days plus three days plus four days. <laughs> Not, not for us, Randall. We gotta, we gotta be there the whole trip. Yeah, that's right. Well, Graham, of course, is going to be there the whole time for sure. I'm working on it. I will at least for sure. I'll be there on the weekends, at the very least. I'm going to try and see what I can swing. Graham will be there the whole time. Of course, Alan will be there the whole time. Randall will be there the whole time. Brad will be there the whole time. These guys are going to try and convince you to play D and D, Randall. What are you going to no. do about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Play what? No. D&D? <laughs> Graham's got a, a love affair with Dungeons & Dragons right now. Did they play that in your day? Oh, uh, that came along kind of after my day. Huh. I was already, had, uh, yeah. You're already I, getting you know, late. <laughs> you got to go back. I came of age during the pinball era. That sounds much cooler. Nice. You yeah. ever heard of pinball? Oh, I used to love it. I love yeah. pinball, yeah, man. I love pinball, foosball, and I noticed that the ho- the cabin has an air hockey table. Oh, or not go. air hockey, sorry, uh, ping oh, pong. Really? Ping pong, yeah. Well, that'll be good. So, so well, we what, should... what's the name of the cabin again? El- Elk, Elk Lodge. Elk Lake Lodge. Elk Lodge. Elk Lake Lodge. Okay, Elk Lake Lodge. Elk Lake Lodge. Elk Lake Lodge. In what, what town or what near what area town? It's in um, Pagosa Springs. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we should mention this for people. It's a huge lodge. Like, it's it sleeps uh, like 25, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how many, but there's a bunch of tent spots as well. Massive lodge with a big downstairs, two kitchens. Like, everybody's going to be hanging out there. It's got lots of room for everybody. And it's on a it huge a property. Hit- yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Graham. It has no. a little history in the area, and, and you'll see it's probably the only one like it that large and it's been off the market for a while and the owner was telling me about why and so we're getting lucky with this it's just coming back on the market and uh she's being very lenient with us so it's, it's a good thing it's got a camping site we can throw you know an acre of flat ground for camping with its own electricity and water and stuff and she's you know we are limited to the number but she's given us all the amenities that's, that's a great weekend. Yeah, that's great. Graham's going to do some sea setting out there. If it, if you know, if we well, get some right nice near, days, we're right near Four Corners. I mean, it's there's tons of paranormal activity going on around there too, and UFOs. I mean, it's really in a in a cool hotspot. I didn't realize at the time how close it is to all this stuff as well. Oh, so, dude, it's it's an it'll amazing be good for sky watching. It'll be good for like day day hikes and day tours with Randall, and yeah, it's a le- legit vacation. I mean, for, for people that want to come and do the whole thing, I, I mean, I, I I think it's it's you know for the fifteen hundred bucks if you if you took the cheap route and you went fifteen hundred bucks for a week, I mean, you got to fend your, for yourself for dinner, sure, but I mean. If you put in five hundred bucks for your dinner, you're still coming in the same same price as probably like an all inclusive vacation to Mexico where you're just drinking shitty booze for seven days. Mm-hmm. You can't hunt on the property. Well, yeah, I, I mean, no. yeah, that's that's definitely a reasonable price if that's what you're talking about charging. Yeah, I mean, that's ter- totally in line. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got. Uh, I'll give the breakdown. Of, do you, actually, do you want to give the breakdown of the price in Allen? So you can probably. I don't want to mess this part up the most. So maybe I'll turn it over to you again well, one more time. Um, the, let's let's keep it in sort of a document form. It, it ranges from seven hundred and fifty, you know, for three days for one person to five hundred for a tent for three days for one person, or the four of the last weekend. 
But, you know, the pricing we're going to put online, and if it's not already on there by the time this comes out, and then there'll just be a contact information to make your reservation. Yeah. That's right. I've got, we actually just, we just finalized the, the little infographic again today with the email address and again, and we're going to start, we're going to start sharing that. So that'll be pinned to the Facebook page. It'll be pinned to the Twitter profile. It'll probably be on the Instagram somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it'll be in the show notes of this episode. And so, I mean, everything's there. I'll just say the email address right now for anyone who's listening and can't be bothered to do any of those things. Because, I mean, I will say that if you add, I think there's only about 10% of our listeners that are, you know, if you add up all our social media presence, I still think it only equals about 25% of the, of the audience. So the email is, if you want to information or you want a book or you want to get in on this, you need to email CAC2019 at hdtravel.me. That's CAC 2019 at HD travel, one word, dot ME. Of course, that'll be in the show notes as well. And uh, shoot an email out. Away we go. Yep. Away we go. We'll probably play, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Randall, what's, uh, should I bring some cards or what, what kind of stuff do you want to do in the downtime? I know we're going to do a little live podcast with each group. Um, I haven't decided exactly what that's going to look like yet, but I, I picture it'll be, Graham and I and you and Brad sort of up up in front of the group doing sort of a quasi interview type thing. Well, uh, maybe questions from well, Q&A. someone goes around with a mic in the audience. Sort of people can put their hand up and we do a t- full audience participation Q and A type thing. Yeah, exactly. We do something like that with each group, and it'll be interesting because we're gonna have. I mean, we, we Darren and I were just talking about some of the headlines just from the last couple of days, like can. You know that are related to a lot of Randall's. Randall's oh yeah, work. Well, yeah. I mean, Let's touch on that because la- the, the the Greenland one is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Do you did you hear yeah. about that already, Randall? You must have. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's people have been sending me shit all day. So <laughs> I, I woke up to it, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think well, kind of nineteen mile crater, right? Yeah, I mean, so I kind of heard through yeah. the grapevine from some of our mutual friends to sort of expect this. So I've sort of been watching for it for the last couple of months to see when it was going to start. Um, uh-huh. But for those who don't know what we're talking about, they basically, the mainstream has come out today and say that they found a 19 mile wide impact crater under the Greenland ice sheet from right around 12,000 years ago. That's it. Okay, so, yeah, I've heard I'm that someplace before. I'm curious to see more precise dating, um, to see whether dates closer to the 12-9 event or the 11-6, you know, 11,600-year-ago event, which still doesn't really have an impact associated with it, but is lacking an explanation because it was a major uh, environmental climate catastrophe, meltwater pulse, um, and so on. But... Um, you know, the impact proxies are dating to 12,900 years ago, but we don't have an explanation for the event at 11,600. So it'll be interesting to see what more uh, precise dating yields on this uh, particular crater find. And is that a pretty so, big crater yeah. compared to most? Uh, it's, well, let me put it this way. If you look within the, the broad spectrum of impact craters, throughout Earth's history, it's substantial, but it's not huge. I mean, because you've got a lot of them that are 30, 40, 50, 
100 miles or more in diameter. Okay. For a cratering event within the last, say, 100,000 years, yeah. yes, it's really huge. Okay. Um, and certainly for a crater that only dates to 12,000 years ago, it's, it's massive. Because most of the craters that date within the last, say, 20 or 30,000 years that have been identified up to this point, most of them are like maybe a half a mile to a mile in diameter or a couple of miles in diameter. Yeah. Um, so, so 19.3 miles is pretty significant. Especially considering um, there was probably a couple miles of ice on top of it at the time. I don't, that wouldn't be a couple of miles. There may have been a, there may have been a mile since it's on the edge of the ice sheet. It may have been more like a half a mile of ice. Also the fact that the crater is as large as it is suggests that, uh, there wasn't a huge thick ice sheet to absorb a lot of the impact energy. So, um, because if there was, then of course the more energy that's going to be absorbed by overlying ice, the less energy there is going to be to excavate a crater in the actual ground. So, yeah, I'm just going to have, you know waiting to see more details uh, as they come out, uh, the dating, um, whatever. Um, other things may be associated with it that would indicate that, um, you know, that there was an ice sheet. Now, one of the things is that there is an ice sheet. There would have been a lot of meltwater rushing back into the crater that would carry a lot of sediment in with it, just like when you have an oceanic impact. Um, an impact into the ocean will, will part the waters of the ocean um, and gouge out a very short-lived, temporary, called a transient crater, um, and if it's large enough to strike the bottom of the ocean uh, floor, the problem is, though, that once the water comes rushing back into that crater, which it does because the water is forced outwards, you know, and then it, there's a back surge that rushes back into the crater, and that's going to carry lots of sediment back in with it. So that'll be one of the things that'll, that would be uh, crucial is, like, how deep is the actual crater itself? Into the into the ground, and then how much of that has been filled up with sediment? Um, so yeah, I'm just going to be waiting to see what uh, you know what uh, we learn about it. Now the the lodge is Elk Lake Lodge or Echo Lake Lodge? Elk. Elk. Okay. Elk like the venison. Okay, elk like the venison. Yeah, I, are there elk? In, I guess, yeah, of course there are, because I know there's a huge elk herd um, in um, Valles Calderas, which is near uh, Los Alamos. So, yeah, sure, I'm sure there's elk around that area. Yeah, it's quite the, um, uh, it is quite the, the pad, for sure. It's definitely uh, extremely high-end, 122 acres. And I guess this impact in, uh, in Greenland, is it, is it, uh, you think it's safe to say that we'd be looking at some of the repercussions of that in um, Colorado, in the Pagosa Springs area? Um, yeah, I mean, an impact of that size is going to have global effects, um, but the, the effects are certainly not going to be uniform. In some places, they're going to be more extreme, and in some places, they may, only, they may be very subtle. Um, it all just depends. Um, yeah, like what time of year, you know, what where, where, where were the prevailing winds? Um, but, of course, my thought is that, um, you know, what I've been looking at is that there's been was more than one impact. 
Um, there may have been six or seven or eight impacts over the period of a couple of thousand years, maybe all clustered very close together, maybe spread out over a period of a couple of thousand years. But that whole transition from the previous age of the world, the Ice Age world, glacial age, into this interglacial um, wasn't it wasn't accomplished in one fell swoop. It was a f- series of events that was stretched over about 3,000 years. In fact, the very first gigantic meltwater event into the oceans has been dated at 14,600 years. So, and again, what triggered that? I, I, I don't know. Could it have been an impact? Maybe. Could it have been the sun? Maybe. Could it have been something else? Maybe. I don't know. And I don't think anybody else knows either. That's what makes this so interesting is that we're looking at, um, you know, cutting edge science here that's quite, quite amazing. And really, nobody has it all figured out at this point. There's no authority that somebody can go to and say, oh, well, this is all understood now and we've got it explained. We don't. No, and then I so, just we just saw an article as well coming out of, of NASA, NASA recently. Uh, lack of sunspots to bring record cold warns NASA scientists. So, and then, then they're talking about you know the sun is entering one of its deepest solar minimas of the space age. This guy's just writing a you know a month or so ago, and they've been absent almost uh, for most of 2018. So you know, again, yeah, even it, that even that it keeps flip flopping back and forth. You know, the science of the sun. So we still don't really know what's going on. Right, and that, that's not a good sign. If, if the sun goes into another quiet period like it did during the, what's called the Maunder Minimum, yeah. which was from about 1645 to 1715, that was an extremely cold time. In fact, that was some of the coldest decades in the last 10,000 years. And that would, be, that would be, I can tell you this, that would be worse than global warming for sure. Yeah. No question. Especially yeah. since global warming seems to be getting colder. Actually, I can't complain. It was pretty warm today. It was pretty warm today. I'm not going to complain. Um, and it looks like it's going to be, I mean, Colorado in May. Looks like perfect weather for camping. Yeah, average high of 20 around there. So it should be good. Should Don't be say per- 20. Should Most be perfect. of our audience oh, American. Yeah. Well, 68. Jesus Christ. 68. So it should be perfect, you know, T-shirt and short uh, hiking weather. Yeah, exactly. And just remember, those people that do take the ten spots are uh, are full are welcome to the the house full time. They just got to sleep in the tent. Yeah. So uh, I don't think we'll keep you guys any longer. We already kept you guys up late over there on the east coast. Uh, do either of you have anything to add before we sort of wrap this up? No, I, I don't, I don't have anything to add. Well, then I guess we'll just... Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no problem, thank guys. you guys for... Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a tripod. We need, all, we need all three of us here to make this thing happen. And, of course, we need all the listeners to, to help us along the way as well. So get your tickets quick. Here's the thing. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there's only one set of ticket prices. And one of those weekends has an extra day in it. So I don't know. My gut says that fucking weekend is going to sell out fast. You better, it might be sold out already. It's almost... Yeah. It's almost full. There you go. Better get ten slots. Oof, better nice. get on it. Get on it. That extra day of gramming. All right, guys. Big thanks for coming on. Okay. Have great sleep, and I guess we'll see you guys right. in right, right, just right around six months. Good night. Thank you. Okay. All Sounds right. awesome, man. All right. Okay. Thanks, Ramo. See you. See you guys. Bye, Alan. Bye, Alan. Yes, Alan. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go yeah. ahead and call you. Uh, that you're on your okay. number, okay? 
All right. Okay. So I'll talk to you in a minute. All right. Okay. Thanks. All right, guys. Bye. Good night, uh, okay, see you guys. Oops. Sorry, hung up on him. I was trying not. I was. I was. I had my hand on the button in case <laughs> I didn't know if they thought we hung up already. Yeah, yeah, I think they did. Yeah. And maybe, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want them to say something, so I was quick to the trigger. Anyway, anyways, getting excited. That'll be fun. Yeah, everyone's excited. Good times coming. Randall's a perfect guy for a week like that because he loves to chit chat. He loves to hang out, and he's a really personable guy. Super knowledgeable, chat yep. about anything. So it's like it'll be the perfect little uh, little event. The old, the realtor for the house I used to live in is emailing me conspiracy theories. Wow, there you go. BC researcher argues anti Alberta oil campaigns about protecting U.S. interests, not environment. Here is some conspiracy. Good for podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Ross. That must mean he's listening. Thanks, buddy. All right. There's that. Great American PSA. Public service announcements are always worth tuning into in Great America. So there you have it. That's uh, it in a nutshell. That's our, our Randall Carlson public service announcement. That sort of gives you a breakdown. Like I say, uh, by the end, uh, by the time this comes out, um, that uh, that that little infographic we made with all the pricing and the dates and everything else and the email to contact will be um, will be uh, on all the social media platforms. Spamgram, he can send it to you. Um, all that good stuff. I don't stuff. even have it yet, but send it to me and then I'll I send just, it to people. Oh, well, I didn't download the new one since you fucking micromanaged the infographic. I should have called your gram micromanager oh, Dunlop. Geez. I didn't even I didn't even check what you wrote. Yeah. I actually should have Well, you should have just read it to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I just copy pasted. Anyways, it's all good. It's, it's all, all good. good in the house here. It's all good. You know why it's all good? Cuz I called him gruntled. <laughs> That's funny, you know, it came up in the chats the other day. That's the second time in the last couple of years, two different times I've seen gruntled come around. Oh really? It's part of the site. It's on the gruntled site. I've never seen it. It's like before. once a year it comes around. Makes a lot of sense. So what do you got? I got an email from a listener. I got UFO quotes, um, some feedback. What, whatever you, uh, whatever you think. I can play whatever jingle I want. Sure. My fucking. Uh, let's go with. Darren and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. All right, let's bang a couple of these small ones off here. Banging off the small what ones. Fucking, there got to be a better way to say that. That's what I think. Much evidence tells us UFOs have been tracked by radar. So UFOs are real and they may come from outer space. That was from General Kanchi Ishikawa, Commander Chief of Air Staffs of Japan's Air Self Defense Force, 1967. Keep them coming. Okay, you just can't wait to get these things out of there. I cannot wait to get rid of the UFO quotes. Okay, I got another one from him. I got another one from him. This is kind of the same one. Actually, I'm not even going to read it. It's so similar. Same dude. Okay, this was no ordinary UFO. Scores of people saw it. It was no illusion, no deception, no imagination. 
That was Air Marshal Azim Dadpora, Zimbabwe, speaking out about a UFO sighting over the country in 1985. 1985, I was four. You were already a fucking card-carrying member of MUFON. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was in, you had to probably go out and make the card yourself. <laughs> How did you get the card? They must have mailed it to you. Yeah, they mailed in it to you. Mail, yeah. yeah, to get in the mail. Yeah. What do you think? It was like horse and buggy back then? I don't know. I couldn't comment. I couldn't comment on what it's like before 1984-ish. So I got an email here that's kind of, are foreign to kind me. of appropriate to read for Jay Dyer, the type of deconstruction he does. And I don't know. I feel like um, I kind of missed this. I almost lost this email and I found it, so... I figured uh, it'd be nice to, to read it. It would be nice. So what's, is it a synchro? No, it's just it's like just, a, just, just a feedback listener. Just know, regular kinda. old. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people, for the people. Can, can you do me a favor? Can I do you a favor? Yeah. What would the favor be? Just uh, kill, just kill a couple. Just kill a couple minutes. Yeah. I, have you ever heard? Have you heard the uh, Brody? Have you have I ever played the uh, Grand America's Funniest Home Videos jingle for you? Listen to this. Graham fucking hates it. I wrote all the I wrote all the lyrics to this myself. Some say they like coast to coast, but on demand. traffic one day really <laughs> yeah i just downloaded <laughs> yeah and just i, I got a download down? in really? traffic yeah it's hilarious that's what happens to our friend michael he always puts these long songs in the chat that he makes up all this uh, yeah but he puts them in the chat so i just i just pay the five bucks or 20 usually it actually usually costs about 20 bucks that one actually costs like 40 bucks because i couldn't find just an instrumental version of that song so I had to pay a guy on Fiverr to make just that so that I could send it to the singer Fiverr girl yeah. to sing the lyrics that I wrote. And they each charge 20 bucks, but usually for like 15 bucks. They should some have somebody that, that conducts all that and charges you five bucks to put it all together. Like Ooh, you you, well, that's like a digital, you could, you know, there's a business to be made there. Just like a, that, that's like a virtual assistant, I guess that's the sort of stuff they would do. Just really get on Fiverr, make this happen. Yeah, you put like $5 instrumental with a $5 singing jingle, and then you put it together and sell it for 100 <laughs> <laughs> That's not, don't get greedy. <laughs> well, 20 then, whatever. All well, right, Fiverr's so, a great resource. I mean, you know, they come in handy all the time. Micro gigs. 
I mean, we use them for the podcast. I don't know what else you could use it for. I mean, I seen a guy on Fiverr. This isn't an ad for Fiverr, by the way. They don't they don't pay us any fucking money. Nobody pays us money except for a couple of you guys. Um, I seen a guy on Fiverr that'll like drink a shot of hot sauce for five bucks. Wow. Send you the video. <laughs> Mm, that's, 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 what, that's what it's come to. That's not worth it. It has to be live. Uh, hey, people would send us money to do for you to do stuff, I bet. Jump off of stuff, run into things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is uh, an old friend of the show. He's been listening for a while, and he oh, kind of no, went... This isn't fucking... What? Is this who I think it is? I don't know. No, I don't think so, because I couldn't even it, find it. it. No, no, okay, no, Okay, Because no. I don't want to give that no, no, guy... No, no, I don't want to no, give no, that no, guy no. any more air No, that's fine. That's fine. <clears throat> you shouldn't even say that shouldn't so, i anyways uh he says i'm sorry i haven't posted any using you you're in an abusive relationship oh with God, this listener <laughs> i'm sorry that i haven't posted any reviews on instagram lately not only have i been unwell for a while but i came off of social media because of the privacy issues uh-oh yeah i think i just took the cat out of the box letting listeners know where they have jingles made yeah, that could be bad. Yeah. No, don't spend it on Fiverr. Donate to the show, Donate please. to the show. No. Donate the Fiverr money no to the show. No more embarrassing jingles, unless you're going to do Darren's embarrassing jingles, and we could have a couple of those. We could we use could. a couple of those. Problem is, he's got the jingle board, and then every time I send it to him to play it, he just doesn't do it. He just loses it conveniently. We should just it's get, hard enough to get we'll a good we'll one to get you on the jingle board. I should have my own jingle board. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's the next step. I'll already, I'll already an iPad. No, just don't, just, just wait. We'll talk about it. I think I could get you to use them for like 150 bucks, I bet. I have an old phone I'm trying to sell. Like a Ooh, sick, I, a I wonder sick, if this soft, An iPhone 6 with a Ooh, 132 a gig. No, I don't know. Are you selling your phone on the show? Well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I should. I haven't put it on locally yet, but I mean, maybe we traded it for an iPad. Oh. That's what I'm thinking. Good idea. See, right. I went from shaking my head to a good idea. Yeah. Look, he's on the ball. He's gruntled. Okay. When he's gruntled, he's good. Okay. Anyways, this is, this is serious. There's privacy issues in social media, right? We all, especially, you know, talking to people like Jay Dyer and guys from No Agenda and all that, this is a, this is going to be constantly coming up. So he says, I'm sick and tired of Google, Twitter's and others incessant collection of personal information. And more importantly, the data I have stored on my devices. I accept that they tell us in the terms and conditions the fact that they collect data, but they're never clear about what they do with it. They always use ambiguous terms and never clarify anything. The sheer quantity and extent of that collection is far beyond reason. No one has asked my permission to create and analyze a profile of my personality and base predictive software to determine my actions on web or my future purchasing actions. They get to keep any photographs I post and retain copyright over them. They do this with my personal data also. Microsoft even get access to retain anything I write in Word or OneNote, etc. I did not know that. Oh, really? That's fucking So crazy. they can start fucking writing your songs for it? They could start, they, so I could write my book in Word and then Microsoft could be like, yeah, fucking, I wrote that shit. Well, yeah, anything <laughs> written by, there's all these things is written by Microsoft, written by Bill Gates. They tell you this in the terms and conditions, and almost no one ever has time to read. Ooh, I they actually read some TOS yesterday. Oh, did you? How was it? I'll let you finish your email. Okay. This even applies to things that would be considered commercially confidential. 
I'm very concerned as to who they are selling or giving my data to, especially for more unscrupulous purposes. What gives them the right to claim our data in this way? If we don't agree to these conditions, we don't get to use the software. When we buy these products, we don't get to read the T and C's beforehand. Then when you open the box and install it, then read the conditions, you find you're unable to return the product because you've opened the packaging. Social media apps tell you not to use the software and to install it. No, what is that? Social media apps tell you not to use the software and to uninstall it if, you're, if you do not agree with their TNCs. We are all placed inside a legal trap. For example, Apple has over 70 pages of small print you have to read through before you close that yes button. Fuck it. Effectively, you agree to give up everything you put on that device. Before you close that yes... Oh, I already read that. I personally think that there should be legal protections put in place to prevent these ungoverned corporations from stealing our personal data from us. Whether it's in the form of an internet bill of rights or something... Some other form of international legislation matters not. It's about time people's interests came first, not corporations. Anyways, he says, sorry for the little rant, but I had to get this off my chest. Be warned, the next time some program asks you to agree to the terms and conditions by clicking yes, you are agreeing to let them do whatever they like with all your data. Warm regards, uh, think not. Think not? Yeah, I was actually, because I've had a couple people now in the last few weeks... Um, try and sell me on this Anchor FM, uh, which is basically a podcast host. That's okay. what Libsyn does for us. Oh, right. Um, which I mean is a moot point for me. I wouldn't leave Libsyn anyway. We don't pay it for the amount of money we pay in the sense of security they give me. It's just, I don't consider it, but whenever other people send it to me, I like to check into it. So I'm reading the, the Anchor Terms of Service. And here, let me find this little... This little, uh, where is it? Where's the little excerpt? Let me give me one sec. Kill some time. I just killed some time. Well, on a different matter, he says, I wrote into a, a note to your newsletter using the contained link the other day. It just contained a few suggestions and I sent it to newsletter at grammarica.com. I had the mail system return the email saying it was not found at grammarica.com. So uh, he's letting us know that that problem exists. Uh, that's so. The newsletter at grammarica.com is no longer an email address, right? Plus, we just redid the whole website and everything. So yes. that's probably not the best way to – don't send an, an email to newsletter at grammarica.com probably, right? Just send it to graham at grammarica.com. That was not a great or, idea at the best of times. There's, the website now is set up completely different, right? Yeah. I'll double-check so, the newsletter link, and I'll get it working again. That's not a problem. But uh, no, don't ever email but there's the a, newsletter link. But there's a uh, – there's a forum on there now, and there's other oh, yeah, ways there's, to comment. There's oh, a report great. room. The like, forum is write fucking, something in the, the report forum room. Taken there. off. There's, yeah, there's a report room where you can put sightings and shit in there. I went through the forum the other day and commented on everything. Okay, because that one big thread going about how everyone found Grand America is fun to read. Oh, that's cool. So he says, "Hi guys, I had a thought for something to include in your next newsletter. My idea is for you to detail the changes to the web pages, including the black budget and how to obtain password, subscription info, explain the new layout." support and how the new discord replacement works i know it's been explained a couple times in the pre-show but it can be difficult to follow anyway i hope you like the idea and i look forward to the next show that's a good idea we should do a newsletter that fully a like idea. housekeeping newsletter instructions yeah, on how to do right. everything i mean that's a good idea yeah and that's a good reason to sign up for the newsletter fuckers okay here's my thing so here's this is directly out of the terms of service over at anchor fm who lets you host all your podcasts there for free 
We have the right to... You also hereby do and shall grant each user of the services a non-exclusive license to access your user content through the services and to use, edit, modify, reproduce, distribute, prepare derivative works of, display, and perform such user content in connection with any use of the services by any user of the services. Wow. So just that. What? Just that. Just that. Just, Anyone but else? We, but I mean, we don't give a shit about that, right? No. I mean, people can chop it's up just and do whatever a, they it, want with our data, but that's pretty... No, they can't just chop it up and do whatever they want with it because they can't put commercials in it and they can't oh, use a set of context. You can replay us wherever you want, but I'd rather you didn't chop us up. Leave us in our little bubble. We're a two hour, however long the show is, keep it that fucking long. Don't put any ads. I mean, I was thinking more in jingle way. Oh, you can do that for jingles. Sure. But these are like, you could take a segment out of someone's podcast and play it on your podcast. Well, yeah, but we don't, we do that to other people's podcasts. I don't know. You do that. Yeah. Sometimes Sometimes you just play other podcasts on the podcast. Yeah. You do that. Sometimes it's weird. Is it? It's noticeably weird. Well, I want to do because we, we were talking about doing a no, no agenda deconstruct, like deconstructing the deconstructors podcast. Like oh, no, we can comment. But that'd on. be like the no agenda after show. That's a different thing. That okay. could be a good black budget show, where we just yeah, listen to the. A lot of times, I have so many comments to make. Where you just like take down the notes and then you fucking do a no agenda after show. But we shouldn't be talking about this on the intro. Why not? Well, I don't know. Maybe we should. Maybe some people actually support the fucking show then. Sorry. Lots of people support the show, and we, and we thank them very much. We couldn't do it without them. A bunch of people we really support couldn't the show, do not lots, a yeah, bunch. Yeah, a bunch. A few. We want to get to 1%. I mean, come yeah. on, just 1%. 1 in 100. One in, no, let's do let's, Well, we're going to try for two or three. We're going to start really with one. One, is, one would be nice. I mean, I mean honestly, we should, should get be more black budget content out there, too. We've been, we've been 50 busy. 50% of you should be supported. <clears throat> come on. Yeah. It's a buck a month, stuff. for fuck's sakes. America.ca slash support. Sorry, but come on. Seriously, it's a dollar a month. Um, no, because we, we have to, you know, we don't want any ads, no sponsorship, right? It's all, this whole thing is listener supported. So it's very it, important. The whole thing. Could, and we have long-term goals that we'd like to get to, like moving into a studio and hosting our own files so that someone can't just shut us off. Yeah, because we have long-term goals. You know? Because. 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 Say because. Because. Wait, are you making a fucking... But, Ooh, I always get nervous when you ask me to say things. Remember that time I asked you to say Graham Dunlop? I don't remember. It turned into Graham Dunlop is <laughs> a C-SETI star. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. That sucks. It's my most hated part of any jingle, and you sucked me into saying it like that? Well, failed emailed me and asked me to get you to say it. <sighs> so then I just politely asked you to say it, and you said, okay. That was back in the days, episodes, when he still trusted me. <laughs> What else you got? I got nothing. I could maybe go to, uh, I could, uh, I could maybe do a social media segment, but I haven't, I haven't really, I'm not prepared for that. I have a, uh, another email here. We'll just, uh, read it here quickly. Kenya. Kenya. I don't know if that's right. It's T-J-E-N-A from, so it's greetings from Sweden. To be honest, I found this podcast by searching for weed podcasts and UFOs. Wow. And what did I find, but not the most pleasant podcast ever. I can, I can, I can't say I'm always agreeing on your political or environmental views. Hell, not even on the alternative science slash metaphysics stuff too. How fucking ever. I love it. I love you too. And this podcast challenges my beliefs that perhaps, probably, were placed hegemonically. 
who knows? Love the grateful guy from Sweden. So thanks for the feedback. Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I think you moderated is it, was that an are those uh those are uh, those are new website comments, right? Yes. Emails directly to the website? I think so, yes. They come to me in a weird format. So yes. And then sometimes That's I can't actually, I reply. That on and my then list sometimes uh, I can't reply to those people because the email doesn't work for some reason. So just so people know, if you write into the website and you don't get a reply, that could be why. Otherwise, we do love to hear how you found the show, and we love to uh, hear stories and stop, feedback and stop sightings. Stop saying and, you don't know how to use email on the show. Okay, it's hurting the show, <clears throat> Darren. <laughs> You saw that some of those emails don't work when I try to re respond. I copy paste them in. I write them in. It doesn't. You heard. So the there's show. something about it going to the website where I can't reply to them. Oh, so if you that. listen to me, that's what I'm talking about. I'll just click my on other it. emails. My normal email problems are fixed. It's all settled. <laughs> it's all done. Fixed for now. For now. Yeah. Can we get a date? Can you mark the calendar? <laughs> <laughs> It's like a days without incident. Yeah. <laughs> days without an email incident. <laughs> and I almost lost the one I had to read today, but I was like, yeah, where did it go? It just disappeared. Uh, oh, thanks, Chris. Chris just sent us a super chat. Anyhow, Chris is the only person that has a fucking Grimerica tattoo. Is that the guy with the Grimerica? Yeah. That's an awesome tattoo, too. Isn't it? Is that the news tattoo? I'm going to get it. I plan on getting the logo tattooed on me. Eventually, he fucking beat me to it. Anyhow, I think that's about good. At 10 years, we'll all do it together. At 10, ten years? At 10 years, yeah. I'm not doing that. Tattoos are like sigils. You got to be careful what you put on your body. You won't put the logo for the show on the... And they affect the... The, the sun, the vitamin D, and the <laughs> photon absorption. Uh. <laughs> all right, guys. Enjoy this chat. I'm serious. You, that's going to come out eventually with people that have too many tattoos. It's affecting them, the cellular. What do I do? The sun. The sun that enough sun even gets through the chemtrails that it, the tattoos are making a difference. It's all making a difference, Darren. What about people that live in the jungle and never have direct sunlight? What? What, what do you mean? They... Well, the people in China who never have the people in Vancouver. The jungle that people in the jungle don't have direct sunlight. I'm trying to picture this. The canopy is too thick that yeah. they don't ever get the sun. Don't you watch any fucking Planet Earth documentaries, bro? <laughs> All that shit on the ground. That's like the plants in your house. You get the fucking house All plant right, well, from the Amazon. Be, be, and if you put it in direct sun, it dies. That might be a legit thing you got going on there. Not might be. Thanks, so. I'm from the bush, right? Maybe it's... You're from the bush. <laughs> That's right. That's the weird thing about we see when you're in the bush and you're trying to look at the stars, you can only see like a little circle of them yeah. straight above you. It's yeah. not like that's the good thing about fucking flat Alberta yeah. is the big sky. The sky is fucking yeah. unbelievable. And it's you really notice when you've been no. away from here yeah. for a long time and you come back, yeah. you start you you appreciate the big <clears> sky. No, that's like just like in Vancouver, you have this little window because you're in the valley. Oh wow, thanks, Ian. Mountains are Ian all, just mountains signed are all, up for patron. Awesome. Looks like our little crybaby rant fucking worked. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. We got to do more crying. Anyway, guys, seriously, we love you. Coming from Big Sky, Calgary, east of the Rockies. Just east of the Rockies. All right, guys, enjoy this chat with Jay Dyer.
All right, we're back with Jay Dyer in Grimerica. He's got a new book coming out, Esoteric Hollywood 2. And last year, he released his first season of uh, his TV series, Hollywood Decoded, with Jay Wiedner. And uh, he's got his own podcast feed, Jay's Analysis. I'm sure most of you guys have heard, heard him before. Uh, he's also uh, all on Boiler Room all the time on ACR. That's Alternate Current Radios, and that's where I listen to him most. Welcome back to the show, Jay. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you check out Boiler Room. I'm sure the Boiler Room crew will appreciate that, that you like Boiler Room better than me. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, I really want to have Hesher and Spore and, and those guys on. We should actually do a swap cast with them. That's super cool. I, I really do enjoy listening. That's a listening. good idea. Yeah, I really do enjoy listening to you guys. I'll, I'll tell them about that. That's a good idea. Yeah, and it's something we want to do with some of the guys that we have, uh, like our little community here. There's some guys that we keep in touch with more about some of the deeper stuff we talk about, and we want to get them on more, like on more of that right. that kind of boiler room format, you know, where everybody kind of... Well, they were looking for yeah. a couple uh, extreme faggots to do a show with. I think you guys are it. Especially Graham. <laughs> Lindsey Graham? What? Especially Graham. Yeah, especially me, Graham. Oh, yeah. okay. That was uh, that was just a joke. I know. Is that going to get okay. me booted off of here? Is this a no, no? Could get you kicked out of Canada, <laughs> it but it uh, won't get you yeah. kicked off of Grand America. <laughs> who who brought the uh, butter bread there? Banana bread? Oh, you Is know that what? For, that's, that's that's a pork uh, roast, pork. motherfucker. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Brody, yeah. our little producer, just brings a this big producer, slab of plate that's, over. That's a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> Boomerangs and banana bread. This <laughs> yeah. is. Uh, uh, all right. So, Jay, you, you talk, you know, I've been listening to you lots on the boiler room, and, and you've got your own feed where you analyze books and stuff, and you've got your TV thing and your new book coming out. And so, you know, you're talking lots about this stuff. I kind of want to leave it sort of with you on where you want to start and what, because I know you, you know, you talk about a lot of the stuff. Over and over. So I don't want you to have to be repetitive. Um, you know, you want to start with your new book, or where do you want to go with this? Because there's ton, I a ton of stuff. I want to talk about that can of spam over there by your oh, coast. Oh, yeah, spam gram. That's, uh, oh, yeah, that's our spam, man. We get sent spam from all over the world. We got a whole case of spam from Hawaii, and I think, is this still the teriyaki? Yeah. This is the last can of teriyaki spam we were sent from Hawaii. The only reason we still have this one is because it expired in April. <laughs> I think you could still eat it in a pinch, but uh, it says it's expired. Okay. So preparing for the, you guys are in a bunker there. What's the boomerang for? That's in case zombies attack. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what do I want to talk about? I don't know, man. This is your show. This is what you okay. guys do. Okay. All right. I wanted, to give, I wanted to be fair and give you an opportunity because there's so much going on and, and you got, you know. I guess I, I guess I think we should we should plug your new book before we don't get a chance to do that. It's uh, it's Esoteric Hollywood too, right? You had enough content out of your first book uh, to make your new book. So I want to specifically ask you about some stuff that I'm noticing, and we can then we can jump into your book from there. But do you get into uh, SJW kind of uh, influencing in TV series as an order to stick to the esoteric stuff, or have you noticed um, we've I've tried to find yeah. I tried to find some some links to the Lear Foundation and how they actually influence scripts. Like they I've I've heard them on a on a we might have talked about this last time, I don't know, but it's two years ago now. But they've influenced hundreds, if not thousands, of scripts with stuff. And I've been yeah. watching this show called Shameless over the years. Okay. And it's getting really bad. Like now they've got uh 
uh, a white uh, a white dude running for senator, and his name's Mo White, and he's a pedophile, and <laughs> he's an alcoholic, and they not only you know bring all the stuff into this show, which used to be you know it was a show called Shameless. It was about shameless shit, you know, lots of lots of harsh stuff. It was funny comedy. The drunk Irish people. No, 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 no. But um. But now it's getting really bad with the politics and the and the SJW stuff, and I was wondering if uh, if you've come across that influence and that kind of thing, and if that's something you're going to research more or have you. And and it got to the point where now they're they're almost um, not just making that out as bad, but actually the pedophilia part to me seems like they're actually making light of it. Yeah, in fact, uh, we have covered that a lot on, on Boiler Room. You mentioned that. Uh, I think we're on almost 193 episodes of Boiler Room. So that's come up and probably 40, 30, 40 percent of the Boiler Rooms we've talked about social justice type influence in pop culture and specifically in in film and, and even some in music. It's even spilling over into the music genres where they're promoting all of the same stuff. But you're absolutely right to look at foundations that, that push that in pop culture and in movies and TV shows. Um, that comes up in my book a little bit for one reason, because the trans stuff does relate to to transhumanism. So the scope of Esoteric Hollywood 2 is a little different than the first one. It's going to de- deal with like the mafia in Hollywood in the first chunk of the book, like the first 80 or 100 pages. And then it deals with the relationship to how terror is portrayed in film, how that prepared us for the modern dialectic of where we are today. And then, well, Cold War, obviously, and then the terror stuff. And then it, it moves into discussing um, mind control in film and cults how that's been presented in film and how it is in reality and all the different Hollywood cults and that kind of stuff. Uh, And then I move into the next section is uh, weather control and weather mod, how that's been portrayed in some very odd, select, goofy films. And then it moves into transhumanism. So the trans agenda is not just its own pseudo civil rights movement. It also relates directly to uh, a further down the road plan for um, for transhumanism. So you're absolutely right to to pick that out as you know this, the SJW stuff doesn't stand on its own. It has it's part of a bigger agenda. Absolutely. And this agenda has been going on for a while, right? I mean, you guys, you you guys, I hear you guys talk about this in the boiler room too. You're going back uh, decades and decades to you know Tavistock stuff and and right. back quite a while where you link. Uh, like people, I think it's hard for people to believe in it. And in a couple of years, it's going to be just like 9-11 was after, you know, that, when we look back at 9-11, it's just half the people kind of realize something's up there. But, you know, five years after it, it was still a bit, uh, a bit right. I feel like you're, we're going to come on a, upon a time where everybody's going to know that this stuff is, is being engineered. Thanks to guys like mm-hmm. you who are researching it. Oh uh, yeah. Well, thanks. I think, I think, uh, people are waking up to that for sure, but yeah, I mean, if you think about the end of the family, you know, you can go all the way back to the father of science fiction, H.G. Wells. He makes up, you know, a significant portion of um, my globalist book series talks that I've done that you mentioned earlier. And Wells was very open, very explicit about ending the family and ending the traditional male-female relationships to bring in anything you want, anything and everything. So basically, everything is allowable except 
what reproduces and what is, you know, male female relations. So, so the point is that that's part of the agenda and it's not accidental that one of the first real pioneers of changing the landscape of social relations was a science fiction writer because science fiction plays a huge role in that. So yeah, we touched on that in Boiler Room and in, in my Globus book series and that's because it's real. That's because they wrote in Brave New World, you know, in 1932 that you would have these wacko sex relations and people wouldn't even be born by birth in Brave New World. They're, they're born in test tubes. Yeah. Except on the reservations. Right. Rocking the reservation. Still banging on the res. I was actually just looking at the new release in 1984 today. I was at the Starbucks, was attached to the chapters, and it was right there. They had like 1984, Animal Farm, Brave New mm -hmm. World, all wow. kind of together there. And I was like, just throwing the chrysalids, and you could have like the history books of like 20 fucking 58 or some shit. <laughs> yeah. So do you think when you say by design, are we talking like Illuminati or we're talking some sort of overarching? control governing body or is it just like the <clears throat> inevitable outcome of the technological society um i think you could make a, a very clear case there's a, an inner circle of people who have a, a very a very open plan they're not they're not hidden if you want to call them illuminati sometimes they're referred as that um if you what we, we tend to go back to in the modern world is the british empire the british empire um has the Royal Society. It has the highest levels of, of masonry centered there. And that's not, that's not accidental because these groups intertwine. You know, you, if you look at the Royal Society for International Affairs, if you look at the way the Royal Society um, was set up to conduct scientific research, it's, that's the, the locus of the, the modern imperium, the New World Order imperium, uh, what Carol Quigley talks about in his books. Um, and, and America is just an extension of that. So in the 20th century, America becomes the technological enforcer and backbone of the, the old British Empire. So it's absolutely a, a cadre of technocrats at the, at the tip top. Um, and they're they're public. They're not they're not hidden. They wrote they write all their books openly, which is what I deal with. So, you know, I, I do talks on Brzezinski. I do talks on Jacques Attali. Um, I do talks on all the guys from the Royal Society, and they're all very open about it. Wow. What, what, out of all that stuff, what do you think is the most Im important or relevant piece for people to digest? Like if you're just to pick or choose a couple of those things or one main thing that people could really easily digest. Essentially that the whole of the modern world of modern living is structured with the intention of messing everyone up. That's the essence of it. So, in other words, it's it's structured such that it drives people mad. Um, this is discussed actually in some of the Tavistock documents. Um, it drives people to dissociative states. It drives people to uh, SSRIs to taking the pills to big pharma to the psychiatric racket. Racket uh, it drives people to um, psychedelics. Even you could argue. I think so. Yeah, I make a, a strong case for that, too, in uh, my analyses of a lot of the CIA MKUltra stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's the essence of it is to drive man to uh, double think, to dissociation so that he becomes docile, compliant and, and doesn't reproduce. That's the essence of it.
Yeah, I guess you could add in the education system as well in there and the oh, food yeah. food and the food supply, the fluoride in the water. I mean, I mean, it gets you could start connecting all that, really. Well, another guy who read all the same stuff and wrote his book is fairly well-known, F. William Ingdahl, and he, did, he wrote on this a uh, long time ago. In his book, Full Spectrum Dominance, you know, the name of the yeah. book pretty yeah. much sums it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like definitely seems to be where we're headed so it'll almost be like a depopulation but instead of doing anything fucking fucked up that people are going to panic about you just slowly make it by choice you know like i think most of yeah. the western world is technically deleting itself right now right the birth rate's lower than it needs to be right yeah that's what huxley says if you've watched his berkeley lectures which are pretty famous or his interviews at berkeley he says that he's like well of course none of you are going to understand what i'm you're not going to realize it's going this is going on now to you you're all too naive you're all too gobble gobbled and dolly wobbled and and you'll never figure out that we're doing this to you now and that, i mean that's essentially what he says i mean he he there's a section of the talk where he says basically that nobody in the audience is smart enough to know that what he's saying is actually going to happen yeah it's like you're in frogs and boiling water thing so is that because he's a part of it or is that just because he's one of these people that seems to be able to see out in front of it no, he's absolutely 100% part of it. He's a part of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, his family came up with the... His brother came up with the term transhumanism. They're all part of the UN. Huh. Is there any... Who's the... Who's like the new... Who's who's the Huxley of our time that's kind of, you know, right in there with those motherfuckers? Well, I mean, they played the part of uh, kind of on the fringe counterculture figures, but they were completely establishment. You know, Tim Leary played this role in America, similar to Huxley in the UK. Oh, it's like Vice. Um, huh? So like Vice, maybe. It's, pro it's probably more Hollywood in a way. You know, yeah. I mean, you could have a lot of different contenders for that role, but, um, you know, Robert Anton Wilson kind of played that role. Um he supported all the same stuff, was self-consciously called himself Luciferian. Um, but I don't think he achieved, you know, the status that, uh, that Huxley did. Huxley was much more, you know, well-known, globally famous. But Huxley himself went to Hollywood. You know, he wrote screenplays. He wrote the screenplay for uh, The Devils of Loudoun, which is a, a pretty a pretty bizarre film. Um, but that shows you, by the way, that, you know, the, the – these realms aren't aren't disconnected. You know what's going on in the UK. Uh, their versions of MKUltra, which were done at Tavistock, or th in connection with Tavistock. You know that the same types of stuff is going on in the UK. Uh, and and Huxley was really pioneering MKUltra stuff as well as Aleister Crowley. So Crowley and Huxley were kind of doing the stuff that the the military and the CIA and the Pentagon and the US would pick up in the 40s and 50s. It's crazy how they're all connected, all these names, when you go back now in the early 1900s and all there's so many well, connections. It's funny to talk about MKUltra and psychedelics because we just did that show with Sam Tripoli like a week ago where we were talking about uh, Ted Kaczynski getting all doped mm -hmm. up at Harvard and then going on to write his manifesto. That seems to be like, right. you know, he's blaming tech, but if you just turn around and say, turn the technology into the Illuminati or whatever the fuck we're talking about. I mean, he's pretty much saying the exact same thing that all this shit is to shut you down and shut you off. And yeah, that's, uh, actually uh, I was on Sam's 
show recently too. Uh, got to be in studio and we talked about some of that. We touched on the, the Laurel Canyon stuff, Dave McGowan's work and how that ties into the essentially the creation of the counterculture. And I'm, I'm completely convinced that the counterculture uh, was co-opted and, and essentially used by the establishment. There's no, no question in my mind. I mean, that doesn't mean that there weren't people and artists who were sincere, but you know, eventually the way it works is that anything that starts organic, they turn it to the, you know, the usage of the power system. So, um, power structure. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a tough does that include the political troubles, like the Antifa stuff or the Nazis in Charlottesville? Like, is that, do you think there's a, the same sort of element of these, uh, saboteurs going in and, and causing problems? Yeah, this is classic COINTELPRO stuff. I mean, we covered this in boiler, multiple boiler rooms, have old talks covering NGOs, think tanks, and subversion, how that works. Uh, and there's no question in my mind that, you know, any any kinds of events like this will have multiple feds. And there will even be uh, operatives from foreign countries that will come to observe and, and surveil situations like that. So any kind of a rally or gathering like that is going to be swarming with with all kinds of different types of people, undercover cops, feds, uh, provocateurs, agitprop, you know, that's, that's just that it's like bees and honey. That's what, that's what they flock to is that kind of stuff. Cause everybody wants to turn those kinds of events to their own, um, to their own usage. You know, they want to spin it the way that, that they, that they want to spin it. Um, a great example of this is, for example, you can go back to the 60s with the Kent State riots and the book that I mentioned by Ingdahl, uh, Full Spectrum Dominance. He discusses in that book the usage of uh, student riots. And it was actually the Rand Corporation that was studying the way mobs and riots form. Uh, and the students thought that they were protesting the man you know i mean they were fighting the system they were fighting what they thought was the establishment and the whole time they were being studied by the Rand corporation and how irrational mobs form so absolutely absolutely antifa and uh so-called neo-nazi fed kkk run things they're all infiltrated absolutely yeah to divide us and i mean it's just it's just a way to keep us uh keep us divided so I, I have a hard time with the this, the counterculture thing, and the we had Dave McGowan on uh, a while back uh, before mm -hmm. he passed away, and and it's you know we've been back and forth on that, and and um, you know I don't participate in psychedelics anymore, but um, mm -hmm. do you think some of that backfired? Like, do you think that because it, it does seem to to give people uh, even if it's like a false awakening, some sort of spiritual awakening? I mean, what do you think it? Is there any way that backfired or is it just going to turn out the way it was intended? Well, I mean, if something is a social experiment, then what's the purpose of the experiment is to see the effects. So sometimes the effects of an experiment might be positive from the vantage point of uh, people who are, say, counter-establishment. But that doesn't mean that that the whole process is therefore good or that it's, it can't still be uh, turned to the usage of the establishment. So let me ask you a question. Like when you say you have a hard time with that, what what specifically, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to give you the white papers and the documents that back up um, that, that the counterculture is 
an establishment yeah. concoction. Yeah. So I guess to get into more detail, it'd be more like um, just because there was CIA involvement or or people uh, reconnaissance, reconnaiss- you know, how would you say that? Uh, watching over it doesn't mean that it's it was infiltrated or doesn't mean that that it was uh, directed, I guess. And you, are you saying specifically uh, the, the 60s counterculture or like drug usage itself? That would be probably more 60s counterculture to in, into the drug usage. Like, and now nowadays, um, you know, is it still happening? Because it's, you know, I mean, there's like you guys talked about in the boiler room again. I keep mentioning boiler room, but you guys have some really good discussions on there about all, all kinds of stuff we talk about here. And you get a little bit deeper than we do a lot of times. So um talking about ayahuasca and the and the, that whole spiritual psychedelic renaissance right now oh, so okay. is it is it okay. so it's hard for me to imagine that they was directed in the 60s because it just felt so organic and there was a lot of people like um waking up and then mm-hmm. is, is that still happening i guess well i think if you look at the way dave talks about it he says that when people were mad about vietnam you had genuine anti-war sentiment so there's no doubt about that. And you had artists and people who wanted to be political, you know, anti-war. Um, and what he says is that the Laurel Canyon scene was kind of aided to go in the direction of basically hedonism, right? So while it may be true that in some cases hallucinogens woke people up or sort of broke them from their their normative structures – you can find studies from the 40s and 50s that they they knew that LSD would do that. So what I'm saying is that anything that the establishment puts out, even if it has a positive effect for a time, it's not it's still not ultimately for anybody's good. So okay, you could argue that in some cases it backfired and it, it some people actually woke up. And I'm certainly not saying that all in all those people who were anti-war or had anti-establishment sentiments that they were all fake or that they were all secretly agents. It's rather that when you look at what was promoted, what was given money, uh, what was put, for example, on the front of Time magazine, they were they were promoting the, the hallucinogen revolution. Um, and when you look at the fact that the people like Henry Luce, Claire Booth Luce, people at Time magazine, they're skull and bones, by the way, um, they were already tripping with People in Hollywood, they were going around tripping acid with JFK, uh, with uh, Cary Grant. I don't think the general ethos of what came out of all these establishment people tripping before mm-hmm. Hate Ashbury and Laurel Canyon, they weren't. In, this wasn't waking people up. This was it was just testing to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. It was a giant social experiment, and um, no, I don't think it backfired at all. I don't see. What are what are the good fruits that show that it backfired? I mean, in fact, it, the '60s counterculture I think was uh, was completely destructive to to American society, and that doesn't mean that everything in the '50s and '40s was necessarily good. I mean, there was a lot of um, subversion even back then with the way that suburbs were actually planned as part of social engineering. A lot of people don't know that, but they were. Um, the corporate culture, the company man, that was all a creation of like ad campaigns and ad men. So I'm not saying the 40s and 50s are good, but I'm saying is that you can go through phases of these things where it gets worse and worse and worse. So so as a whole, as a movement, no, there's, there's countless examples of white papers and studies that were all about directing large social movements to change the landscape of America, basically. Yeah. 
No, yeah, that, that's a, no, good. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you could make it. I mean, you could look at it that way and, and um, see that it has changed it for for the negative in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. I just did a talk on uh, Walter Bower's famous book, Operation Mind Control. And Walter Bower was pretty much pro counterculture. Like he was a he was a guy who favored the counterculture. He had done acid multiple times himself. Um, and he looked into MK Ultra and all that. And what he saw was exactly what John Mark saw in his 1970s MK Ultra book was that it's a concerted trajectory from the the Pentagon and the military studying this in the 40s and 50s for truth serum and for the ideas of creating the the courier, the assassin and all that straight into the idea of direct manipulation and control of the human mind. And that also involves biochemical research, biometrics, all kinds of stuff, implantable microchips. All of that comes out of MKUltra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people have been writing about that since the 70s, which is pretty amazing. And and the funny thing about Bowert's book, which is also in Marx's book, is that they end their books saying that all of this MKUltra research is intended to take us to transhumanism. Both books end with that, written in the 70s. And they were 100% right. Here we are, you know, 2018. And that's exactly where we are. Yeah. With the end goal being just because uh, transhumanism works in the opposite direction to having us not, you know, if we, what's the point of us not producing if we're not dying? Is that the the point to kind of just keep us around forever in some sort of enslavement instead of reproducing? No, or, not you, not me. That's only that's for just for them. Okay. Yeah. How do I get some of that? Um, become a, a top technocrat, uh, go to Yale university, join the CIA study, uh, at the Brzezinski school of Luciferian arts and (laughs) sign on to, uh, kill off most humans. What about, what about drinking some young blood? That'd probably help. I don't think I want to do (laughs) either of those things. (laughs) Some young blood. Yeah. Vampire, like true vampirism oh that yeah 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 i saw that that'll help yeah huh so i wanted to ask you about, are, you, are you are you putting are you fingering a whoopee cushion is oh that what that God, is that's a, uh it's, it's a kangaroo scrotum scrotum that just got sent over sorry it's new in the studio i just got opened no it it's okay it's like you like i kind of keep waiting for the fart noises to start playing yeah. and it looks like a little whoopee cushion it's a it's a <laughs> kangaroo's ball sack all the way from <laughs> australia casey think the, you're having a bad day that boomerang sliced it off. That's right. The, That's right. The gonads of a. And then I used the boomerang to slice up the banana roast. <laughs> and you didn't wash it. No, still got gonad on it. There's kangaroo <laughs> semen and blood all over the banana bread. That's it. Fuck, I'm Disgusting. I'm you're gonna so you're gonna hungry. put freaking slices of spam in between that banana bread. It's gross, dude. Right by the Sherman resonance generator. Yeah. <laughs> Schumann, not Sherman. Schumann? This is what you degenerates do all day when you're tripping your It's the Schumanator. Smoking your acid. Can you smoke acid? I don't do the acid anymore. I do the mushrooms once in a while. Smoke my weed. That's about it. Don't do the booze or anything like that. Um, Actually, I'm predicting that you guys are going to decriminalize by the end of the year. At least maybe take it off schedule one. I actually heard that Sessions tried to kill himself today by smoking a joint. (laughs) <laughs> is that right? I've seen that on the onion. 
So how does the uh, how does the weather mod fit into all this? Because you know it is one of my favorite topics. Uh, all the all the the true weather modification that's been happening over the decades. Why don't you exhale into that balloon? Like <laughs> you're obsessed yeah. with that balloon. Like yeah. you keep exhaling, blow into it. <laughs> Tell people what it smells like. <laughs> it smells like leather handcuffs. Why would um, you say handcuffs? Yeah. Well, that's really leather thing you I fill that balloon of. with your degenerate marijuana smoke. No, I don't. I don't do that. That's this guy. I, I'm fucking clean as a whistle. I'm here. just joking. Just so you know. What are we talking about? Uh, weather modification. Well, yeah. I mean, like uh, MK well? Ultra, MK Ultra, the technocracy. Is that really something that's that's part of that whole plan? Like, it's just 100%. back and forth on the conspiracy. And you know, are they spraying? Are they not spraying? There's chemicals in the fuel. I mean, you know, we've done a bunch of episodes on that, and it's just. It's mind blowing to me that uh, that the true weather modification is going on. There's documents all over the place, but then right. it's hard to it's hard to to find out where that stops and where where it's um, just you know contrails and not chemtrails. Right. And is that is that part of this technocratic? Uh, and what about the control? vaccines? Oh, yeah, oh my it God, is because the yeah, um, holy cow. yeah, I mean the, the <laughs> genetic modification, all that that all comes out of the same stuff. You're right, so. Um, there's a chapter in the Boer book where he discusses the fact that a lot of the, the MKUltra stuff moved into electronic frequency manipulation. So there's plenty of white papers and military documents to discuss, that discuss using frequencies and sounds and all that to try to manipulate you know, human behavior. Uh, Brzezinski in his book, Between Two Ages, he has a famous section where he talks about the ability to uh, use extremely low frequencies, very low frequencies, ELF, BLF stuff to, you know, basically alter the moods of large swaths of people. So that's been going on since the 60s and 70s, and it's absolutely part of the same programs. And um, one way that uh, we can see that is the fact that, yes, everybody knows that geoengineering, well, not everybody, but we all know geoengineering is real, hopefully. Uh, there shouldn't be much debate about that. It's, it's existed since the 50s. But the key area to look at here is Vietnam, because if you read, for example, Annie Jacobson's book, uh, Pentagon's Brain, she has a lot of sections on Vietnam, and that's where they were studying. They were deploying rain, AI. Right? They were deploying, uh, deploying uh, Agent Orange, all kinds of stuff in kind of chemtrail situations for environmental modification. So it wasn't just poisoning the Viet Cong. That was part of it. But it was also altering the weather, uh, seeing what would happen through this aerial spraying. All of that is, is straight out of Vietnam and, and was connected. Yeah. 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 And it was connected to what? And it, and it was connected to Enculture because it was actually the same corporations and people from DARPA and the CIA that were working on these experiments in Vietnam that were that were also involved in uh, the Enculture projects. Man, I never put that together before. I never thought that that would be part of the uh, MKUltra. Well, what happened with MKUltra was that it went from when when there was the the select committee, the U.S. like House committee looked into it and they said, "Oh, okay, we'll we'll quit. We're done." They just renamed it. They called it uh, MK Search and they moved it to Fort Detrick, which is biowarfare. So rather than it being an open project that dealt with. You know, the stuff that everybody's heard about, like Monarch Mind Control and Project Artichoke, it just moved to being under classified under biowarfare. Uh, and that's how it ties in, starts tying into the biological agents. You guys Where does social media fit into all that? 
Uh, who was I just talking to? So I was on somebody's show, and he they were making the point about social. Oh, with the me and the Primal Edge Health dude. Oh yeah, I listened to that. Talk. That was good. Yeah, is that the guy from Spokane? Yeah, yeah he, he came. He came on our show before. He, yeah, he's a good guy. And yeah, Ben, Tristan. Yeah, uh, but uh, no. <laughs> this, this gets Tristan. into. There's a guy named a guy named Norbert uh, Weiner. Norbert Weiner. Norbert's Weiner. Uh, he's the father of cybernetics. Okay, so back in the 60s and 70s, he was writing about how we would, the Pentagon would create cyborgs and all this kind of stuff, Terminator type stuff. Uh, well, Norbert was also interested in the work that Jose Delgado was doing, who was one of the MKUltra doctors who was putting the electrodes into the bulls, right? So he was putting emf rfid stuff into animals and he was saying oh i can control the bull this videos are on youtube you can watch these videos um interview there's interviews with dr delgado anyway delgado said that we could we could pioneer the complete control of the human brain and, and commandeer evolution through all this electromagnetic frequency stuff and so norbert weiner said yes let's do that so those are the top guys that were, that were talking about cybernetics and um feedback loops right and so tristan made a good point about uh, if you look into feedback loops that's what social media is is kind of an attempt to try to get everybody to have the same feedback uh, and by the way the internet comes out of these same people too it's all the same deep state you know arpanet darpanet that's the internet the same people doing all of the the, the studies in vietnam uh by spraying all this bullshit it's just, it's all the same it's all part of one big overarching program and it's coming out now that Facebook's been doing these studies on how they manipulated voters uh, a few years ago, right. going way back, like years ago. And uh, that's when they first, you know, decided they had to start making more money, and they started doing a bunch of studies and showing how they can influence uh, people to do shit. So it's fucking crazy. Um, I was going to mention something else about. Uh, so have you come across the uh, the CMP, the Council for National Policy, through any of this? Like it's kind of more of the uh, the fake right wing cfr style organization apparently there's some crossover there anything like that i keep we keep sort of yeah this is like uh the right wing version of, uh, like you said of cfr a bunch of cold warriors uh it ties into i think the world anti-communist league all these guys who were sort of the neocon cold warrior types um and i don't think they have as much power nowadays as they hope they would have um i think uh that woman that that died recently, Phyllis Schlafly, you know, mm -hmm. she was a famous CNP member. Um, but they're really just th th that's just a faux right wing uh, version of the CFR. So the CFR is more openly globalist. Um, they're still around. They're still 100 percent in control. I don't really think the CFR is C the CNP uh, has that much power, but it is worth mentioning them because they were a faux right wing version. But. Uh, if you saw that infographic going around that was really helpful, it showed you like all the top people at every media organization is also part of CFR and also part of trilateral. So there's this is how it the works. Q -map? The same no, I don't think that's the Q map. That's a different one. I heard these guys talking about uh, it. It's it's more media focused, I think. And so it's yeah, the, this one's just media. It's the it's yeah. the mix between uh the media and then the people in the CFR and big pharma and all the corporations, I think. I think it uh it's not this. It's not this thing, right? No, no, no. no. Yeah, it's not no. that thing. Yeah. No, it's just an infographic that shows that the same uh, media CEOs at, you know, like everything from, from New York Times to Wall Street Journal to The Economist, yeah. all those CEOs, they're they're all uh, Bilderberg. They're all 
trilateral commission and they're all CFR, basically. Yeah, but now they're all quitting because Trump's draining the swamp. <laughs> Seal indictments. <laughs> no? You don't seem excited. I, I'm, I, I did one video on Q back when it was starting and I, and I quickly lost interest, so... Um, I don't. I'm not a follower of Q. No offense if you guys are interested in that. That's I'm no. I'm not, a, I'm not a big Q guy either. Um, oh, you went in and out a little bit. It's interesting. In the beginning, sure, I was in and out, like, but then I was just with it, you know. Fuck. What was I going to ask about the uh, the C? No, it wasn't about the CMP. What do you got? It's the CNP. Alex Jones is in the CMP, right? Well, that's the thing, right? Everybody's saying uh, all these all these current. Uh, well, I was going to ask. Are part of the CMP, and it's the whole, it's the you know the whole fake news on the right. Like you called it a full right organization, is it still that nowadays? Well, I, I haven't followed all the alt media people to see if they are in the CMP. So it, this would be news to me. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. But you're yeah. saying, like all the fake. No, I, I media people. No, yeah. Well, I was yeah. going to ask about that as yeah, if we're the new because I think in a lot of ways the podcasters are kind of the new counterculture. So are we getting co-opted? Right. Or are we going to, you know, should we be worried or, you know, what's what, what if if the if the hippie movement and taking, you know, acid down in Laurel Canyon and making music can get co-opted, then I mean, podcasters must be getting you know, it's got to be one of the biggest up and coming um mediums right now between mm -hmm. podcasting and youtube youtube they seem to have found a way to deal with i mean have you had any problems on your youtube Jay, channel Jay's had a problem with his website he had a, his website shut down aj uh correct yes it was uh deleted by word i was foolishly using wordpress <laughs> wordpress to host which i learned the hard way and uh yeah they, they deleted me so i'm trying to see who's in the let's see they at CMP. least give you the backup they have a website file? i'm trying to see who's a member did you have to make everything from scratch, or were you able to just like? Uh, uh, I mean, a lot of stuff I had mirrored uh, at a lot of. I wrote for a bunch of different websites, okay. so a lot of the the most of the material was. I would say about seventy five percent saved. I lost. I basically had to rebuild the whole site, which was a month of nightmare. So, have you ever had any trouble with YouTube, Ernie, or no strikes? Uh, I got one strike uh, last year, but it was overturned and ruled in my favor, which I, wow. I figured me so hmm. wow. YouTube. Hope. yeah there is hope see there you have it we have no yeah either. i mean I've, I've been on i haven't I've, I've, I've had a lot of uh lost success with youtube so hopefully it stays that way um but yeah but, like i mean youtube and podcasting we're the new you know we're the new message right. to the people in a lot of ways so what are they gonna what how do you picture that working is it just going to be some podcasts or 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 can't are part of the government or how's how do how do you picture that working uh you should listen to the talk that i did from uh, jacques atelier's book brief history of the future because he wrote that he's one of the top he's the kissinger of france and um big big uh, technocrat he said back in 2006 interestingly that everything would transition to live streaming so what youtube has been you know trying to get pretty much taking over is is live streaming and um, what Atalee says is that from there, that'll help push the whole global culture. Uh, and then eventually, <clears throat> yeah, eventually it'll be com completely controlled. So they'll just delete, get rid of anybody who's who does anything, you know, that's not uh, 
stamped by the establishment. Absolutely. We're already we're already seeing that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So that's real that's real censorship happening then so far. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How long do you think we have? Uh, um, I mean, it's already here. It's now. Yeah, how long yeah. before it's total, though? I mean, I mean, <laughs> and what can yeah. you do to well, kind of stop it? Because I, I mean, mean you know, we're kind of in the thick of it. It depends on you know what happens in the next next uh, next several years. So I'm not really laying laying any hope at the feet of politics, but I'm just saying, in terms of uh, you know what happens in in the the global spectrum geopolitics economy all that will you know play into to what happens so i mean i don't know it's too vague of a question to yeah to be it's, precise, it's a, t- it's but, a tough but one think- but you're in the you're in the thick of it so we thought maybe you would get your your take on it like is it ramping I mean, I don't up is it, you know? anything stopping this the censorship anytime soon right does that worry you because i mean you must be making your livelihood off of yeah the internet in a lot of ways and you're talking about you know you're you're talking about the master <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, uh, when the site was deleted, that uh, immediately I was like an immediate uh, cost me a thousand dollars right away. So, absolutely. Um, Did you think that was it for a minute? A little bit, yeah. It was. It was a little scary. Um, I figured that they would have a way to export the website, though. So I didn't think. And and I, I, you know, we actually been talking about this since the beginning of Boiler Room. So we foresaw the stuff coming with with. Um, Facebook and Twitter and all that, because we knew that the idea was to get everybody actually away from websites and onto those kinds of platforms. So if you're putting all your time and energy into the three main big platforms. Ah. Yeah. So actually we talked about that on some of the early boiler rooms. So I knew that that's what would happen eventually. So I had everything backed up and I had everything as much as I could on multiple sites, but I also have like a tremendous amount of stuff. So to back my stuff up, it takes like a month because there's so much shit. Like there's, there's 800 articles, there's 900 videos, there's just endless audio. I mean, it just so much shit that like, it's a whole, it's a nightmare to try to, to move it to one platform. Like I paid, I had to pay somebody to try to back everything up on BitChute, And that took like three weeks because there's so much shit. Yeah. Did you, did that I give you more resolve at all, or did you did you come like how did you come out of that? I mean, is it a little uh, well? Different? I got I have a tremendous amount of support from the Jay's analysis uh, nerds, um, so they chipped in and helped me out a lot, which was great, very touching. Um, so I was able to basically buy a lot better support and hosting. Um, which it was stupid to host it at WordPress anyway. But the thing about WordPress is that they have a reputation for being very pro free speech. So I didn't, I wasn't too worried about it. And in fact, in the past with squabbles on my blog, they had sided with me, uh, for speech, for free speech. So, uh, I kind of thought, well, they're in my corner or at least they profess to be. Um, but then certain pressure was put on them for, um, it's it's actually pretty silly what what got the whole site taken down. It had to do with uh, a photo that was posted that dealt with um, a big event. So I'll say that. And the irony was that it, I didn't have the photo. I had a screenshot of the BBC, uh, and because the BBC had a photo that was supposed to be taken down. I had a screenshot of just the BBC website. Wow. <laughs> the, 
So it, it was really ridiculous, but that's what it was. Um, so that's how they get you. Well, and now there's precedence over, you know, PayPal censorship and, and, and PayPal. Well, I heard that just happened to someone else now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's getting, it's getting to the point. Who's that? I, I got to Google it now. I just fucking, I just heard the other day someone else's PayPal got shut off. Because hmm. I kind of was hoping that was going to be a one-off. And we just talked to, I mean, John Dvorak of No Agenda, and he was kind of saying the same thing, that he thought, he thought PayPal was a better pick than Patreon for sure. Hmm. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of... We're kind of just put our eggs in both baskets just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's the best thing, the best thing you can do is try to have, uh, you know, multiple streams so of income. So, yeah. Yeah. Is there any other, is there any, do you like, what do you think about cryptos? Oh yeah. No, I, I, I use crypto except crypto. Sure. Definitely. How did your new, how did your uh, TV series go with Jay? It was a blast. We had a lot of fun. Um, the production, everybody in the production team was was spot on, brilliant. Um, the I think the marketing people didn't really get our show, um, so they didn't put much marketing behind it. So that was part of the reason why there's not going to be a season two. Um, there are other projects, though. Good news, I've, we've got some other potential TV projects going, um, but I I loved it. It was a great experience. It came out way better than i expected and it's an amazing season of a tv show if you haven't seen it yeah that's a good i was gonna ask you if uh, if it came out you know the way you wanted it that's always the fear it seems with stuff like that is that it just ends up coming out uh sideways it was gab no, yeah that's what it was oh yeah gab, that's okay. right yeah yeah. So what do you think about gab because i've heard other people talking about how gab you know the only reason they're getting they got fucked with was to kind of make us all think they're anti-establishment in the same way that the Laurel Canyon thing might have happened to kind of get everyone sort of trusting Gab because they got booted, but then they're back and, you know, whatever's going to happen there. They're back up and running uh, I today. Mean, I would tend to think that that uh, time will tell, but uh, I've never, I haven't talked to Andrew Torba. I was on a stream with Andrew Torba, but we didn't directly interact, so I, I can't speak for him or, or anything, but... Uh, I wouldn't immediately assume that they are co-opted, but anything is possible. So on that, I can't really say, but, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to see more and more of that, but, uh, I don't really see what the, what the feds would do, how they would, would, uh, benefit from co-opting gab because the feds already have, uh, you know, Facebook and, and they can, they can get anything they want, so they don't necessarily have to do that. But again, anything's possible. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm real. Yeah. I'm real. Yeah, I was wondering how you how you discern. Like we talked about co-option and alternative media, and and there's a lot of podcasts, or some getting pretty big. Some of them seem to be co-opted. Some of them, who knows? You know, do you ever have to discern that, or do you ever try and figure that out, or do you care? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, and and how do we? I don't know. How do we know that that's not, uh, or that is happening? I mean, that seems to be so ambiguous right now. Yeah. I don't worry about it. I just, uh, count on the quality of the work that I do. Um, yeah. I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good at spotting phony balonies because yeah. most of the time, most of the time they, 
I mean, uh, unless you get really big, you don't really have to worry about it. You know what I mean? It's, you're not going to be targeted or, or something like that unless you're you're really big and having a big impact. Then you could then you would have to worry about it. Um, but you know, if you play it, if, you, if you're wise about it, who you associate with and who you spend your time with, you know, it's, I don't I don't see why it's that big of, of a deal. Certainly, don't do anything to make it easy for people to um, castigate or portray your podcast or your show as, as something uh, dangerous because that's what they'll do. Right. So, I mean, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. You can't stop them. If they, I mean, they could, they could write a, you know, mainstream piece and have you taken down in a minute if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, so I just try not to do anything that makes it easier for them to do that. Yeah. What would be an example of something that would put a target on your back and make it easy other than like, I guess that would be like saying the Holocaust is fake. <laughs> I think that one's an easy one to get people pulled down. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, we've all seen people get their shows pulled down for, uh, let's see, uh, the last one was Killstream, and it was a Wall Street Journal girl who wrote that the charity stream that they did for Killstream uh, that two of the super chats that came in on Facebook had dirty words and mean comments. And so as a result, the whole show got shut down and $26,000 was refunded. It was going to St. Jude's. So, um, so if they, if it's not so much a certain thing that you say or do, it's if you get a big enough profile because Killstream was getting five, 7,000 people live watching at night. So Yeah. Ooh, I wonder what, whatever happened remember, for a while we were, I was playing that uh, online trivia game. It seemed like everyone was getting into that trivia app. It was like HQ or something. It seemed like something fucking weird was going on there too. I fell out of it. I wonder if that's still going on. It seemed like, did, did you follow that at all? That little phenomenon there? It seemed like it lasted a couple months. Where it was like game shows on your phone. There was like 12 trivia questions. I do remember that. In fact, I played that that I played that trivia game for about a month, like hardcore, and you could play your friends and all that. Yeah, yeah. And then it just sort of, like, I don't even and know if it, it still exists, yeah. but it seemed like something was fucking going on there. It seemed like, I don't know, something seemed weird they were weird looking and the filming of it was kind of weird and i don't know man something seemed off about it some of these apps i think you're right they come and go and they're they're not uh you know they might be just a quick buck but they can also be you know a deep state information gathering thing absolutely the ones that end up you know it seems like everyone gets quick it's like you know it's popping up there in front of you and trying to convince you to buy it they're checking your iq Checking how smart you are. I didn't do well. Remember so. Farmville too? How big Farmville was for yeah. two, three years? I never got into that, but I remember it was or Angry Birds. Oh yeah, Angry Birds, good one. Well, even the one that just came out where everybody's walking around in Calgary, like with their phones. Oh, the, well, yeah, even that that Pokemon did go. come Pokemon. and go fairly yeah, quick. Yeah, it was everywhere, and then it was gone. Right. A couple yeah. people got hit by cars, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> where you go looking for the Pokemon, huh? So how far do you think this tech has come, um, like, for spying on us, the 5G stuff and the, and the you know, the EMF, the ELF? Like, is that, is that going to be, do you, do you see any evidence of that, you know, in our, besides, like, this typical cell phone bullshit and maybe the 5G stuff? Do you see any of that uh, in our regular day-to-day lives? 
I th- yeah, I mean, there's no doubt they're going to try to roll this out. Uh, I have looked a decent amount into the 5G stuff, and I think that it's so it's going to be so bad that it's not really going to. I don't see how it's going to work because yeah. because if they roll this out everywhere, then even the elite themselves are not going to be protected. I mean, it's it's too it's too damaging to you know our, to the human cell structure and whatnot. So. You know, how the fuck is uh, George Bush going to be able to fly to, you know, <laughs> to uh, uh, D.C. and go meet with uh, a bunch of other losers when D.C. is a giant microwave? You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it would it would hold up. So I think the effects are going to be so obvious, you know, the detrimental effects of 5G that that it just won't be able to stand. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, is there other stuff? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we want to get into vaccines and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe we should talk a little bit more. What's your take on vaccines? (laughs) There you go. Well, I would say watch the video I did uh, on Jonas Salk's own books. So I did uh, part of my Globalist book series. Huh? That's right. Yeah, I was going to. I heard you mention that. Right. So he wrote two books, uh, one's called uh, Survival of the Wisest and one's called uh, Man Unfolding. And in, in his writings, what he does is talk about the usage of vaccines for depopulation. So so vaccines have for a long time been means by which they could conduct uh, experiments. They could um, introduce uh, aspects of sterilization, um, experiments with alter- altering RNA and DNA, all kinds of stuff. Um but uh, you know the amazing thing is that he just openly writes in his books what they're for. They're for uh, for putting uh, retroviruses, putting uh, vaccine, putting cancer. Uh, the, the that's basically set to um, get, you, you get cancer at a certain age. You know when you grow up. So it's all out in the open. It's it's amazing to me that people would even debate debate it when. The father of mass inoculations says this in his book. And when was this? I read something that said that just fucking him and his, he was polio vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. Him and his polio vaccine alone could be responsible for like 125 million cases of soft tissue cancer. And that's in, in right. the and literature. The story of the, yeah, SV40 virus being put. Yeah, that's in. right. SV40, exactly. That was from the monkeys, right? They got that from the monkeys? Everything yeah, it seems to come virus. from the monkeys. And when was that book? When was that written down? Which book? The the one you're talking about with Salk's book. Uh, survival of the wisest. Appro- approximately, not exactly, but we're uh, talking uh, like late, mid- late, late late sixties, early seventies. Oh, that lo- that recent. Okay, I was thinking it was further back. Both his kids died too, didn't they? Really young. From getting. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure, but uh, the thing with Salk is that um, it also. It's not. It's also connected to MKUltra because the the institute, the Salk Institute, is the brain initiative, which Obama put like tons of billions of dollars into the Salk Brain Initiative, uh, and that's all about studying um, basically human computer brain computer interface stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you with this uh, globalist book series you do. I think people would be interested to know a little bit more about about your process there, and some of the some of the work you've done. And are you going to put that into a consolidated uh, medium at all, like a book or anything like that? Or um, a lot of actually, I've had a couple of publishers reach out and say, "Would you write a book on this yeah. idea?" And I certainly would like to. Um, I feel like personally, I'd like to make it through 
quite a few more uh, of those top top books. But basically, I just I just looked at the top technocrats and writers and realized that that if you looked at their books themselves, they pretty much lay everything out. So at times, there's certainly differences between them. They have different ideas about game plans and how to do this or how to do that. But there's undoubtedly an underlying plan, uh, at least for the last uh, century. I don't think I've gone back yet to anybody in the 1800s. You actually could if you wanted to. You could go back to people, uh, you know, all the way back to the French Revolution, perhaps, that had a lot of the same technocrat uh, assumptions. But for the most part, I've stuck to the 20th century uh, and just looked at people, like I said, who were affiliated with the Royal Society, the Council on Foreign Relations, you know, these kinds of entities, these kinds of, you know, high level uh, power block think tank steering committee type stuff. So um, what's what's just mind blowing to me is how open it is. I mean, it's just it's all right there. It's all documented. None of it is conspiracy books. It's all establishment books. That's the key here is that these are all books written from the establishment for the establishment by the establishment. And they they just count on the fact that the masses are not ever going to look at this or read this because they're, you know, they don't do that. They, why would they, they're interested in sports ball and video games and that kind of stuff. So I decided, well, I'm going to read their books and, uh, embarked upon this. Well, I'd always kind of read that kind of stuff, but, uh, really for the purpose of putting material out the last couple of years embarked on that process, starting with, um, tragedy and hope by Dr. Carol Quigley, which was a monumental, uh, technical, bore 1300 pages um, by a military historian who ended up being the CFR archivist. So he wrote this book in the late sixties and it was in the, I think in the seventies it was handed out to uh, CIA section chiefs so that they could know why the U S funds sometimes communists and sometimes fascists. Why would we do that? And what that book does is it kind of gives an apologetic, a defense for the American Imperium. Uh, so, so tragedy and hope is crucial to understanding the 20th century and the global order. And then I said, well, you know what? I should ought to just make this a series because I did eight lectures on that book. And I thought, why not just expand this into you know, more and more and more of these books from the establishment? So uh, let's see. We did um, we did Salk. We did uh, two or three books from H.G. Wells. Um, we did Jacques Attali, the famous French technocrat globalist. We did uh, Brzezinski's books. Um <clears throat> Uh, we did some of the uh, Pentagon DARPA tech book stuff. Um, we did more Quigley. Quigley has another book called The Anglo-American Establishment. We did that. We did uh, Charles Galton Darwin, who is a Royal Society guy who wrote a book called The Next Million Years. Um, I'm forgetting all the, the globalist books. There's, there, there's, yeah, I have that's a whole, quite, yeah, that's quite a few. I mean, so that you've already done quite a few and you put this out. I've done about 15, 16, I think so far. Yeah. And what's the best way that people can, can digest that in your Jay's analysis podcast feed or what? Well, what if you, you go to the YouTube channel, I have, there's a playlist at yeah, the, uh, yeah. the main channel. This, that's just that book series lecture. And then there's also separate as the, the tragedy and hope, uh, talks, but, uh, but yeah, usually we do about one a week. So we do a globalist book every, every week or two. Sometimes I enter interject theology or just acting like a retard at times with goofy shit, but, uh, we do movies and shit too. But, um, Next, I think what we'll do is probably uh, there's a pretty well-known book by a guy who was granted access to the Rand Corporation um, named Alex Abeya. 
and uh, he he wrote a book called Soldiers of Reason. So it's kind of like the authorized analysis of the Rand Corporation. Wow. So that's the that's the one we'll do next. Um, it's kind of long, and uh, I've read a few chapters of it, but I haven't haven't completed the book. So. I'd love to. I'd love to see more work on the Department of Energy and all the all the high tech labs they're funding. Like all those yes. secret labs. Like, uh, right. um, what are they? What are they all now? The Sandos and um, fuck, I can't even remember them all. Um, so one of the I chats. Did, I did a whole bunch of uh, research on that once, but they're all funded by the Department of Energy, like billions yeah. and billions and billions of dollars. No, um, I was saying Sandos, but I got it wrong. It was uh, there's a whole. Fuck, I can't believe I can't remember all of them now. Brookhaven. Um, yeah, Brookhaven's one of them, and uh, a bunch of the ones that are studying, uh, you know, back, back yeah. in the a lot of the, I mean, even Bell Labs the, from the uh, early 1900s and all that. Bell Labs and what they turned into, yes. and, oh, it's just unbelievable. So Bell Labs was was the first uh, one of the first corporate intelligence agencies. They had their own private intelligence stuff a uh, long, long time ago. That's in uh, John Marx's book at the beginning, and then if you read, uh, um. Well, if you can read uh, Ingdahl's book. He has a book about GMOs, and he talks about uh, all those different labs that are involved with like genetic modification. But the uh, area, the the geoengineering stuff, actually ended up being under the Department of Energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's what triggered it. Is you were, you guys were talking about that Department of Energy, and I'm like, they're funding like Lawrence Livermore, Los Alamos, Brickhaven, Oak Ridge, Sandia. I mean, even Skunk Works, I think, is in there. Raytheon Bike Shop. I mean, it's yep. it's crazy. Billions and billions going in there. Um, yeah, that's how know, the black and, budget funds and, all that. And then they're into the geoengineering, and you're like, how much of that is is not disclosed? You know, how much of that? How much of those? All those high tech labs. When you look at the thousands and thousands of scientists, we're talking like twenty, thirty thousand scientists working probably in compartmentalized secret. There, what are they producing? You know, that's not being disclosed. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, usually the technology is 20 or 30 years ahead. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they, they tell us the, own, the, the latest uh, aircraft is what, like the B-50, the stealth bomber. That's from like the 60s. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, that's crazy. Someone in the chats mentioned that they thought uh, Yuval, Noah, Yuval Noah Harari could be the Huxley of our generation. Do you have any idea who that is? He wrote like uh, *Sapiens* and those books. Huh. I don't have to. Re- I don't have to. Harari. Um, Harari. I'm trying to think of. But he's got. I mean, his- Huxley was Huxley was uh, on the one hand an establishment figure from a prominent family, part of the sort of inbred blue blood types. But he also had you know connections to Hollywood, and he also had connections to the, the arts and music, and he had a shitload of books. You know, science fiction type stuff. So maybe somebody from like the science fiction world who's promoting um, drugs and uh, and and social the social justice stuff is really just the updated version of the counterculture. That's the counterculture today. Huh. And and how establishment are they? Well, one hundred percent. Yeah. Antifa. Yeah, it's hard to point that. How can you point that out? What's it? What's it like? What's a, the top, you know, connection you can make there for people? Because it's a hard one for people to, to see that that's engineered. It really is. Like, it's... Um, I would read Daniel Estelin's, uh Tavistock book because he sh- 
I mean, if, if people wanted an actual white paper that could read Changing Images of Man, which is a famous white paper on social engineering, but if you wanted a quicker boil down, I would read Estelin's Tavistock book because uh, he talks about the the ways that Tavistock's research was done for social engineering. And part of that, back in the 70s, they were already discussing in one of the, the Tavistock documents through Stanford Research, SRI, was... Uh, that in that in the future, in the force in the seventies, they foresaw in the near future, uh, in our day, um, the revolution would move from the sixties stuff into veganism, into um, experimental families, uh, experiments with gender, um, new ways of creating living communities, so like cults and that kind of shit, um, and the complete alteration of diet smart cities all this stuff was envisioned decades ago yeah have you have you been in contact with daniel eslam at all um he's shared a lot of my stuff retweeted my stuff but we we've not really uh-huh. we've never personally interacted no we had him on a while back and talking about the bilderberg and then we we had him on we almost had him on again but it, it, we hiccuped uh, like two or three times we missed each other and it was kind of weird the way it happened so i just uh but we should maybe uh dig into that tavistock book for sure have Dan on again? Yeah, we always have to stay up to like two in the morning. Yeah, those are rough. He's overseas. Yeah, it's a it's a not a long book. I think it's about 160 pages, so it's a pretty easy read to to grasp that point. Yeah. Uh, there's I don't agree with everything he argues in the book. There's a chapter on Putin that I, I don't find convincing, but um, what, the rest of the book is pretty spot on. What's your take on Putin? Uh, I kind of view Putin like Trump. I mean, when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. Where does that separate them from most politicians? Or is that just run of the mill? That's how they all are. Well, I think that in Russia, for example, I was just now I was just reading a book by a uh, uh, Russian statesman from the 1890s, uh, and he has a very interesting. Uh, it's a very different take uh, in the Russian perspective on on a, on a leader and a statesman. Um, I don't really ascribe to the like the 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 negative liberty libertarian type view, so I don't really have a problem with the state. Um, I think actually international corporations are a lot more dangerous than the state because they they end up being a lot more powerful uh, and they can they can essentially control your state. So uh, it's actually more dangerous, I would say, to have no state and to have complete privatization and corporate control than it is to try to find a way to have balance there. So I think balance is the key. Um, I mean, that's even kind of in the American founding fathers. But um, so, I mean, I'm just trying to, that's a complex question, but um, uh, there's a book by Dugan, um, Putin versus Putin, that's pretty good where he talks about the good and the bad. So I appreciate the um, aspects to which Putin has supported the resurgence of Orthodox Christianity in Russia. But uh, there's aspects to which he's also seemingly a little too open to the West in terms of neoliberal economics, which is destructive. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. Do, Do you think we can get out of that? Out of what? The neoliberal economic slide. Well, my hope is that it's 
so destructive that it'll fall apart. I mean, it's uh, it really just mows over cultures and 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 uh, distinctiveness. It talks about being multicultural, but actually, what it does is it destroys cultures. So, um, my hope is that it will fall apart because it's so self-destructive. So, I don't know how how long that would take or what the answer is per if it's se. Too but, late uh, by the time it falls apart, you know. I think I'm starting to see like ripples of it, you know, future falling apart already Mm -hmm. in some ways, you know, like you can kind of see those ripples in time. Sometimes I could just see like there's a level of people. No, I think people are sick of it. They're sick of the outrage in some ways. They're sick of like I was talking. I I just think this I think this whole thing's going to come to an end here, you know, the other day. I was watching that stupid fucking Ben Davidson thing that everyone's all freaking out about on Twitter and everything else the other day. And I'm like, man, I miss the days when that shit was just okay. And no one freaked out about anything, you know, because it seems like it wasn't that long ago. It was only 10 or 15 years ago that, you know, that that's the kind of shit that was on TV. And it was kind of funny. And we weren't all freaking out about it and boycotting everything and fucking calling everyone and telling them to fire everyone. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's more dangerous than the state too. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, you know, because that's not too far from far removed from showing up at someone's house and throwing a fucking brick through their window. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the problem. They're excusing violence. That's a few steps away from kicking in the door and fucking or throwing a cocktail through, you know, it's just like, it's a slippery slope, this outrage nonsense on both sides, you know, on both sides. I mean, it's it's sad in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, it's a destruction politics. of the American culture in some ways. It is. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's just really just a policing of speech. And, uh, you know, if you look at. Well, I did. I forgot about Bertrand Russell. We did two Bertrand Russell books in the the uh, Globalist book series, and he talks about the removal of comedy and the arts in the dystopia. Hmm. So that's actually a, a central part of it, and and that's mentioned in Brave New World too. You don't have the arts; you have the simulated. You have simulated music, and you have simulated uh, movies that everybody goes to, and they're just basically, you know people blowing up and people farting in tits. That's really all it is. <laughs> well, so. it's, it's really hard. It's getting harder and harder to watch these Hollywood movies and TV shows. I mean, now that you're, you've done some work and we've talked to some other guys about some uh, symbolism in, in the movies in Hollywood. And it's, it's just, it's opened up like this can of worms that I can't close when I watch something now. It's just, it seems really, really fake and not even in a creative way, just in a, in an engineered way. I think that's maybe maybe that's right. what we're seeing. Just what you're talking. Yes, about. a lot of people are starting to notice that they're not getting uh, actual creativity. Creativity is being stamped out. They're getting um, very very propagandist um, facsimiles, uh, yeah. and it's becoming more and more evident. People are seeing it, and you know it's already kind of killing the studio system, and people are turning to Netflix. But you know Netflix has so much. Um, for example, Obama is now producing material on Netflix. So I I find it hard to believe that. (laughs) I mean, hopefully the bottom line will be enough, but, but we we start to notice that in a lot of cases, it's not even about the money. They, the, a lot of these companies that are super big, they'll even take losses to pump out the propaganda. Yeah. 
Yep, I've always said that it's not about the uh, the the ratings as much as the ratings and the message. You know, if you yes. can get both, good, but message over ratings. I love when people think they're putting fluoride in the water to help your teeth. It's like you think the government cares about your fucking teeth, son. You think if there's a McDonald's on every fucking corner, you get big big gulps by the fucking dozen with like six cups of sugar in them, but the you mm-hmm. know. Watch your teeth, man. We're going to put this fluoride in the water. That's just so your teeth don't rot. You know, we don't even pay for your fucking dental bill, but uh, we're still worried about your teeth. Why did that just come up in the chats or something like that? No. Why did you just rant about that? I don't know. The fluoride thing drives me crazy. Well, there's a New Zealand. I think there's a New Zealand. If you think uh, fluoride in the water is a good idea, you're just fucking not paying attention. Uh, totally. Right now, yeah. there's an argument in Calgary to try and bring it back. It's not still there, is it? That was a couple of years ago, I think. There was a guy who's trying pretty oh, hard. I think in New Zealand, he's trying they to say our, our, our teeth are bad. Our teeth are worse than Edmonton's. We need to bring back the fluoride. Have you been to Edmonton lately? Look around. We don't need to bring back the fluoride. <laughs> well, didn't uh, Vox just published an article saying that it's time to put lithium in the drinking water? And, I've seen uh, that. Oh. Yeah, and the, the big... Because uh, just a uh, little bit of lithium a day is good for you. The uh, two... The, one, of the, one of the... I should add this to the Globalist Book Series, which is the eco-science book by Ehrlich and uh, John P. Holdren. Uh, you know, they argued in there that the mass water supply needs to be drugged. And actually, Bertrand Russell argued that 100 years ago. Oh, that's fucking crazy. At, there's a New Zealand study, apparently, somebody, the scientists have just come out and said that no more fluoride in the water there. Something happened there recently where some people are waking up and saying no more of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what was I going to say about this? The water. Say it into the, your mic, whatever water, you're going to say. The water in the Into study. the mic. I'm losing, it. I'm losing my mind. Okay. And they're not just putting fluoride. It's a whole, it's a whole, it, you know, Alex Jones, I would always talk about it being a chemical cocktail. I've looked into that and it's true. If you look into hydrofluorosilic acid and all that stuff. It's like a whole bunch of different things. So there's no telling, there's no telling what they put in the water. Yeah. Uh, and they, and they don't, they don't, uh, homeopathy's uh bunk though, you know, but they'll, <laughs> right. they'll but they'll, they'll in, inject you with vaccines and put minute amounts of, of toxin in the water. You know, I got a Berkey baby. Run it all through the Berkey. Yeah, and that's because the, the Rockefellers uh, bought off the medical establishment. They created the American Medical Association. They they set up the American Psychiatric Association. Um, so they weren't just in the corporate banking world. They also were in media. They're in everything. So um, people wonder why. Uh, there's actually a book that was written on that by, I think, Nancy Banks, who's a doctor. And it's called her book's called AIDS, Opium, and... AIDS, Opium, and Diamonds. It's about the British Empire, um, their their radical um, eugenics worldview, and then the Rockefellers adopting that same worldview. I read something a while back that was saying that the Rockefellers, <clears throat> the Rockefellers had more to do with uh, um, the prohibition of cannabis than the Hearst did. Was her Hearst the paper guy? Was Hearst? Yeah, it was more about the Rockefellers and their pushing the chemical medicine. And before yes. that time, I mean, every doctor in America had hemp oil and oh, cannabis yeah. oil in their fucking bag to treat a little bit of everything right. around the house. And then right. the Rockefellers were like, no, fuck that shit, man. We're going to use our fucking whatever, mold. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And um, the DuPonts, 
too. I think it was the Rockefellers and the DuPonts were the big players in that. Weren't the DuPonts big players right. I think in Temperance, World War Two? Yeah. How do you stay, like, how, how do you, what's your personal practice on, you know, you're going through all these globalist books, you're talking about all this stuff. I mean, it, it can get pretty depressing. I mean, it, it can, you can start looking at the world or I can, I can start looking at the world. I mean, even after doing this five and a half years, sometimes I'm just like, oh man, we're talking about more of this stuff and, and mm-hmm. I want to learn more about it. But on the other hand, it's like, it's kind of just like freedom, yeah. freedom's kind of out the window. Like, have we ever even been free? Are we freer now than we've ever been? Or like, <laughs> and, and we just, we never knew it. I mean, it's just, how do you stay stay positive without uh sort of getting in some depression right well i i'm into orthodox christianity so that's a big part of my life and what i talk about um that's kind of what keeps me grounded but um i one thing that happens is that when you when you learn this stuff i know you guys are kind of past the depression depression stage but you kind of go through a process so you go through a process of where you're shocked when you first learn this stuff you kind of you know, first wake up and then you, then you do go through a phase where you're kind of like, there's no hope. This is crazy. This is, you know, but I think you kind of grow out of that phase and then you, you're not, you're not as bothered by it. You, you kind of accept it in a healthy way. doesn't mean that you're for it, but yeah. you, you, you process it kind of like a, it's almost like a death, you know, like a death in the family. Like you go through these pro a grieving stage. Grief. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I personally have, you know, a religious perspective that helps me cope with it. Um, and and for me, it, it it actually hammered home a lot of the religious stuff because, for me, it showed the reality of good and evil. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I mean, that, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't see another way really to make sense of all this except for the fact that well, there really is evil. You know, what I mean, I think that's a much better explanation than, oh, it's just uh, chaos and it's all just evolving into random shit. Nobody knows what's. That's all just shit happening. Who knows what's going on? No, I think there's a there's straight up freaking evil. That's a big, a big way to understand this. A big part of understanding this. Do they understand that they're evil, or do they? I mean, do they think they're doing the right thing? I mean, is there is there somewhere down there an intention that seems, you know, that they think is okay? They're doing the right thing. They're doing this for the good, the people, or anything like that, or is it just straight out evil? Mm, at the top, at the top, uh, the top, the top couple of could be, you know? yeah. Could be any of the above. I mean, the human mind is uh, very powerful at convincing itself and self-deceiving itself. So there's actually a lot of interesting research that, that you can look into relating to self-deception. Uh, so the human, the the human psyche has the ability to supremely deceive itself. Um, so in many cases, for example, uh, I talked about in, in one of the other globalist books I did was Arthur Kessler. Uh, he was a high-level Royal Society guy, and um, he talks about how, well, I, since I've accepted Darwinism and atheism and naturalistic materialism, he says there's no such thing as right and wrong. So anything that kind of happened in the past, like, for example, cannibalism, like big cannibal empires, Aztec, Inca type stuff, that's just natural. Anything that happens is, by definition, natural. So he says it only makes sense for me and my crew which I would say they're the real Illuminati, um, is to co-opt nature, to try to direct it. We become the instruments, he says, of evolutionary progress. The priests of evolution, basically, is what he says. Bertrand Russell says the exact same thing. Uh, Delgado says the exact same thing. A lot of the, the 
the technocrats say this. And I would say that on one level, yes, they do actually believe this, that this is how it is and that in their own minds they're justifying doing good when they're completely evil. But I also think deep down they, at the same time, they, they know that it's evil. Yeah, there's a, there's a craving for control or something like that in there. Is it a justified evil, maybe, because it's better for everyone once we're all dead? <laughs> well, the, I, they, they tell themselves those things, right? Like the kind of, uh, um, it's all for the greater good. Um, but that's, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like every, every human being, I believe, knows you know, right and wrong. I, I think that it's written on our hearts, a basic sense of, of morals. We all kind of know there's, there's such a thing as right and wrong. So there's more globalist book series uh, stuff coming out. Is there another? Is there another esoteric Hollywood in the works? Is there enough material for that too? What's uh, what's uh, what's your plan next? What's coming? Um, up? If <clears throat> well, that's kind of depends on what the publisher wants. So for example, if if esoteric Hollywood two does good, I'm hoping it will. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's going to take. A, it's a little different. Like it's not. It's not exactly the same as esoteric Hollywood one. I had to kind of go. Um, you know, into some new directions, new territory, which is good, which I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a risk with that. Um, we'll see what happens. If it does well, then yeah, there'll be a there'll be a part three. Hopefully, you know, my my goal was a trilogy. Um, if if people continue to love it, I guess I could write them into infinity because there's an infinite amount of freaking movies to write on. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what, what, what the reception is of two. And then um, um, eventually, yeah, Lord willing, I'll do a book that deals with the philosophy of globalism or something like that. Or I may just eventually publish the countless philosophy articles I've written because there's, there's a shit ton of those. So book-wise, yeah, there's plenty of material. It's just, it's just gathering it together. Putting it into a book is, is a nightmare. It takes forever to do it. Writing the stuff is the easy part, but putting it into the book is the boring technical shit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Who's like so, the Illuminati Hollywood golden boy? Like, who's, who's that guy who's just in, like, every fucking shill movie? Is it Nick Cage? Uh, <laughs> I feel like it could be him or Tom Cruise, be, maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, Nick. Ben Stiller. He's in everything, right? He's in every movie. Uh, <laughs> could be, could be. Um He's I think it's more Hollywood. like the older guys, like fucking what's his name, De Niro and Costner? these guys, like no, Costner yeah. and De Niro, yeah. De Niro and Robert. these guys. Costner is in Waterworld and The Postman, so he's total show. <laughs> I liked Waterworld I like, too. I, mean, I, don't I don't understand like why everyone movies. fucking hated Waterworld. I liked it. I liked The really? Postman too. You're you're unique there. Uh, too weird. I'm special. I'm a fucking snowflake. Kind of... but I'm a unique snowflake. Well, Waterworld is uh, like global warming propaganda. I remember that. There's oh. not enough water. There's not enough ice on the earth to fucking make it all water. I checked. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I'll be just fine here in Calgary. I checked that too. Yeah. Actually, I'll just be beachfront. Saskatchewan will be the beach. Well, I moved to the beach, and Al Gore said that <laughs> where I live would be underwater by 2013. So oh. I think I'm. I think I'm okay. Well, he was busy inventing uh, the internet. Not according to a lot of people, Jay. I mean, this is just like they've. Don't Didn't he invent the internet, Al Gore? That one. He's that part guy. of the problem. That's my. That's probably one of my biggest sort of pet peeve hoaxes: is the whole global warming thing. I mean, it's just 
the amount of uh I seen a meme that had a picture of his house that had like sixteen chimneys on that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, right on, Jay. It's been it's been a blast. I really yeah, uh, really appreciate you Thank coming you. on. Time yeah. always flies. Come join us a couple generates degenerates, or at least one degenerate. Degenerate and a half. No, I, I'm I'm joking. We're all three degenerates. By the way, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, um, shit, I was gonna say something. I forgot what it was. Oh, about uh, maybe about uh, uh, your guys Hesher and them guys. No. Yes, I will. Yeah, we we need to do a show swap. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Let's yeah. let's set swap that up. Swap cast, in the future, baby. But, uh, Super swap cast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man. Good luck with your new book and. Uh, yeah, maybe Thank we'll you. have you on in a year or two again. I think it was like two years ago was when your last book came out. It was, um, yeah. and two years yeah. from now, I'll be yeah. clipping uh, Katy yeah. Perry's toenails. I'll be, I'll be big, big, big yeah. picture. You'll be, you'll be writing about Robert De Niro, the Golden Boy. Then you'll Hollywood be on the chills. inside. <laughs> I will mail you gold spam. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. That's good forever. No With expiry. Katy Perry's date. toenails in it. Ah, oh, that's disgusting. But okay. Maybe you could just like take the whole big toenail off so Graham could use it as a spoon. Because the last time he ate spam <laughs> in the studio, he was using a nose flute. Sometimes you get really hungry, and the only thing in here is spam. So you got to just do what you got to do. You slowly pick away at all the novelty spam. <laughs> right anyway, on, Jay. Jay, we'll let you get to sleep. Thanks for staying Thanks, up dude. late. Join us in South America. Yeah. Come back anytime. Yeah. Stay safe out there. Thanks, man. That was a chat with Jay Boy. Dyer. What that was a good one. Him? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah you it. love Jay Dyer. You love you some Jay Dyer. I've been listening to him lots of those yeah. guys. Yeah, they're good. I haven't checked they're out good. the Boiler Room yet. I'll yeah, check they're that awesome. Out. I was a little nervous for that one for some reason. It's a great name. You're I nervous for fucking all no, of them. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, Actually, I'm not. someone, Garrett, texted or text me and I said he could tell I was nervous for the Dvorak interview. Oh, wow. And I was like, yeah. actually, I wasn't nervous. I was fucking 10 minutes late. Yeah. That, that, well, that, it yeah, was that's, a fucking yeah. mad scramble I for know, one of our biggest guests. Yeah, I know. That's a problem. Someone who you can tell is a real nitpicker on being late. But Jay's an example of when you put your mind to something, there's so much information out there that needs to be collated and, and shared with the masses in a nice, you know, succinct summarizing way. Do you know what I mean? He's going through all these globalist books. I mean, I've listened to a few of them, and it's great. They're a couple hours long. Him, de- you know, deciphering a 1,300-word book on what these elites and globalists were writing about um, decades ago. You know, it's, it's really, there's a ton of information out there that can be um, researched and shared, you know, and he's a good example of that. You know, going through Hollywood and all the, all the movies and all the symbolism. and yeah, We should just, do some book reports for the Black Budget. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. He does he does a good job. Well, why don't you listen to a couple of his and see what uh, what you think? You know, we don't want to do the same thing he's doing, but there's there's some. Let's just do exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, just kidding. We're just kidding, Jay. We love you. Seriously, though, we read all these books. Might as well talk about it. Yep, that's true. Let's talk about it. All right, guys. Big thanks, to Jake Dyer, for coming on the show. Check out his stuff. Support his work. He is listener supported, just like us. Support our work. Support our work over here. Grandamerica.ca/support. Because we can't do this without you. Uh, we want to grow. We want to get our own service so we can't get shut the fuck off by YouTube and all these other motherfuckers. We want to uh, move out of Brody's spare bedroom before he kicks us out into the cold and the show has to be canceled. We don't want to see any of that terrible stuff happen. Uh, check out the conference. It might be sold out by now. We don't know. 
support the show. Check out the newsletter. Everything's in the news. If you're in the chats, you'll be up to speed on everything. Everything's sort of in the chats, Twitter, you know, it's all there. You'll find it. America.ca slash. It's all on the website too. Support's there. Get access to the forums. All that great stuff. Just by Spamgram. Yeah. Support support the show today. Could be one of turn out to be one of the greatest decisions of your life. Yeah. All right, guys. Good vibes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy some good vibes. We'll see you guys next week. Five pink flamingos and a few flamenco dancers. They're in the kitchen and they're baking day of the dead cookies. And I step into the kitchen and I'm like, let me have a looky, see what kind of cookie you're cooking up. And they're looking up at me, skeptical, and I point next to my spectacles. And I'm wearing a maroon Harvard t-shirt. Yeah, I know I'm a smart cookie, but I'm no psychic. You can come and ring my bell. But where we're gonna end up in the future, I can never tell. I can never tell. Me and five of my best friends my enemies We're at the coffee shop And we're settling our differences Benjamin Otto Pulls out a game of Chinese checkers And he orders a cappuccino And I pick blue and he picks red And you pick yellow And I'm wearing a tie-dye peace sign t-shirt yeah, I know I'm a peacenik, but I ain't no hypocrite You can come and ring my bell But where we're gonna end up in the future, I can never tell I can never tell One bell One man my sense of smell, I can smell the salt in your tears, and I can sense your fears, you're hoping for a bit of divinity, in this worldly vicinity, and you understand the fragility of the human vessel, and you sit Indian style like a pretzel, and you levitate through a transcendental state when you meditate. And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate. And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate. And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate.
a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. If Mario supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>